Show, the disc golf podcast you've been looking for. Episode number 20 coming in hot. Nick, we're here. We have an exciting guest tonight. It's, we do. It's worth sharing with the people right up front. Oh, that's going to be a spoiler. Simon Lazat in studio. <laughs> He's sitting uh, currently actually six feet away from me yep. to my right. We got this under control. So we've done a lot of work on our studio and I want people to know if you're hearing funky things previous weeks. We're doing a lot, Nick. We are we professional? Are we professional podcast show guys? We come into this like with training yeah. on this? No. no, absolutely not. No, we have no no prior podcast experience. I mean, I've been on podcasts or kind of like live feeds before through other disc golf channels, but um, nothing where we did this pretty much every single week. So we're still we're still growing. We're still learning. Yeah. So anyways, and the other the other thing just to throw out there, not because I'm trying to get kudos for it, but I'm running like cameras, mixing, switching, yeah. audio levels, and trying to also keep track of our show to make sure that we don't ramble on. So with that being said, I just want to throw it out there for anybody who is driving down the road last week or in your house or listening while you mow the, whatever it is you're doing. And you're like, this show seemed kind of like it was good because yeah. Big Germ was there. Yeah. But like the show in general seemed kind of like all over the place. If that was you, first of all, we appreciate so much that you listen. Yeah. Right, Nick? And we, we do. Yeah. No, no, no. We absolutely appreciate that you're listening. You're hanging out with us for the time being. And uh, but we also we appreciate your comments because Matt and I get to look at those and kind of like talk about them. And I was kind of, you know, Matt was telling me today about some of the comments, just saying how we were rambling on and everything like that. And I was like, it's weird because certain times we have guests on where you just feel very comfortable talking about whatever, whenever, like whenever something pops in your mind, you just want to talk about it. But at the same time, I could see how that's frustrating or annoying to the listener. So I'll say Matt and I, we will do better. <laughs> about being more structured and kind of like keeping on the topics that we're here to talk about. And uh, look, we're doing this every single week. Eventually we're going to talk about everything we can. So it's just one of those things, Nick, for us, obviously it's easier to feel that free flow, just chill. Right. But like for the listener, they kind of want to know where we're going. And, yeah. and anyway, so I just want to say not give us another chance, but kind of, in fact, Nick, I don't talk about numbers on our podcast listens a lot because YouTube's public, right? Yeah. We just hit a huge milestone, and I will say it. This last week, we got our first ever over 1,000 listens on one podcast episode or 1,000 downloads. Yeah. That, to me, is incredible. That's insane. And that just goes to everybody who joins us every week, sharing, listening, talking uh, about what we're doing. And I had to laugh. Someone said, honestly, this is one of my top 10 favorite disc golf podcasts. And I'm thinking to myself. <laughs> I feel like there's only like... yeah." you know, maybe 11 disc golf podcasts. Out Thank there. you. Thank you for that. Um, so Nick, what we're going to talk about tonight, again, Simon Lazat in studio, but we're going to yep. talk about disc golf terminology. So if that's interesting to you, we're going to talk about the word stable. Is that a, like, I know how you use it sometimes, but like, so what does stable mean to you? Or to me, don't get into it yet. When, okay. All right. We'll talk about it later. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. I tend to say overstable. Some say stable. Yep. Anyways, we're going to talk about all disc golf terminology and yep. just kind of clear the air tonight. Um, I'll say it again, Simon Lazat in studio. That's like yep. the third or fourth time we said that. The game, judge that disc golfer, Nick. Two-time champ, not going to lie, two for 20 right now. Kind of feeling good about tonight, but uh, I don't know, Simon. I'm pretty sure Simon beat me pretty good last time. Actually, the last two times. 
exciting. If you're so. listening in right now live, be excited. If you're listening, you know, live for you driving in your car or whatever, get excited. We have our first ever female disc golfer being judged tonight. Now, I know that seems kind of like, ooh, we said judge. Yeah. I, I got the approval. This player is excited about this, and uh, I caught up with them at Maple Hill. So that will be our first ever. We had guests, or, or guests, we've had commenters asking, when are you going to bring out the female disc golfer? Yeah. So we're bringing her out. Uh, we've, had, we've had people ask when they're going to be judged. True. I've, I've been out on the course, and they're like, yo, is Matt here? Like, can I get judged today? And I'm just like, oh, no, sorry. Like, you know, Matt does all the editing, so I can't judge you. You know, I have to judge them on the show. But, yeah, people are actually asking. It's pretty funny. I think we have created something that's yeah. just very cool and unique. And I've seen somebody say they were almost going to plan their trip around making sure, obviously, Maple Hill's a destination. Yeah. And then they said, and then I hope I get filmed for your show. <laughs> so, like, that's pretty cool. Just DM Matt, you know, maybe it works We could out. probably set it up. But I'm kind of concerned yeah. if we have a pre-planned, you know, judged disc golfer, they're going to come up with some really crazy. Well, we'll see. Yeah, who knows? Maybe in the future. Yeah. Uh, internet disc golf questions. When I bring back, Hey, yep. we're going to have some internet <laughs> disc golf questions. Yes. That'll yep. be back. Uh, quick stats. We'll talk about real quick for music city open. And then there's a mixed bag of other topics. If we get to them at some point during the yeah. end, I like how you put that mixed bag of it. I think I, I stole that from, uh, another podcast. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, also, to wrap, we're hey, giving away a bag. Yeah. We're giving away a bag for two K subscribers. And to you and me, Matt, that's like 2000 subscribers. We never thought we'd hit that. This was kind of like a fun thing to do. And now it's 2000 subscribers, but my boy, Simon just hit a hundred K subscribers on YouTube, which is, insane. we're going to talk to him about which that. Which is insane. So I just want to say to everyone, we really appreciate the two K now let's try to get to a hundred K quicker than Simon did. You know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. we got to buy those. Yeah. I think you can like buy a room that has phones all linked up and they just like hit subscribe. And then like, I think it's like a dollar a subscribe. Oh, it's a hundred thousand so dollars. Never buy, mind. Are we going to buy subs? Never mind. No. If you guys actually, if you watch last week's episode, uh, you can see the bag that we're giving away. There's also going to be a ton of goodies filled inside. Well, of it. so here's how that's working mm -hmm. because I tried as hard as I could to only have people who subscribe be entered into this giveaway. Mm -hmm. But I can't, it's not doable. Like that uh, YouTube doesn't allow it. So gotcha. here's how we're going to do it. We're going to, literally it's opened up now almost to anybody for the 2000K. It's going to be anybody that wants to get in on this. You are just going to have to like this video. Okay. That's the first criteria. You can listen to this tomorrow, the next day, three days out, four days, like this video. And you have to comment what your favorite episode was so far in our top 20. So we've done 20 shows. Comment That's your favorite cool. on this show. Yep. Now, granted, you're going to comment right now. That doesn't count. It's a live show. Come back tomorrow, comment, because they separate the comments a different way. YouTube does it. Okay. Like the video, comment your favorite episode, and we're just going to pick. We're going to be like, hey, lucky winner, number, whatever, or whoever. Yeah. We're going to contact them, comment that way, and let them know they won. And then here's one last, right before we bring on Simon, here's one more giveaway we're doing. I mentioned iTunes podcast reviews, right? They're mm -hmm. tremendous. It helps us stand out. It helps people find us easier through iTunes. Mm -hmm. um, and so the way we're going to do that, is we are going to ask you to go over to iTunes podcast, review, screenshot it. This is a big lot of steps. Screenshot yeah. it, upload it to your Instagram and tag us. We're going to go through those and we're going to give away two, two $20 Marshall Street gift certificates Heck to yeah. two different people. So just go give us, yes, we are buying reviews. That's what just <laughs> happened right there. That's all right. And you keep hearing my computer going, hey, your phone wants to disconnect and yada, yada. So, um, 
Nick, go over real quick, if you don't mind, the Music City highlights, and then we're bringing Simon in. Alrighty, Everybody, I got to look at my phone really quick for this. But, <laughs> okay, Music City Open was last week. It's an A tier down in Tennessee. Um, let's see. MPO average rating to win was 1044 by a young gun, Alden Harris, who Matt told me not only two years ago, he won the United States Junior Disc Golf Championships. Yes. So, so what, what age group is that? 18 well, and younger? He was, okay, yeah. So he was 18. And at the time, and he took it down, a phenomenal player. And I've seen him compete. I saw him at Idlewild. Uh, he's definitely playing really good for himself. Yeah. But he did, then, well, he did well at D-Glow. Did you see the competitors it. who were at Music City Open? Yeah. like Dickerson, He beat out Chris. It, yeah. Dickerson, Gurthy, Clemens, um, yep. the whole nine yards. Oh, yeah. It was not easy competition. No. What did he average for a rating? 1044 was the average to win it. Second place was Chris Dickerson. He was one stroke back, averaging 1041. And then third place went to Chris Clemens, one stroke back of second, so two strokes back of first. Um, I don't have the average rating for that. But in order to get last cash, you had to average 982. Chris Dickerson, by the way, you said you didn't know the rating. I looked it up earlier. It was No, only for like, Chris Clemens. Oh, Chris Clemens. Yeah. Did I say for Chris Dickerson? Dickerson was 1041. Yeah, just yeah. a couple behind. So, I mean, yeah. I mean nearly yeah, if a tie was, as far yeah, as Yeah, so if it was 1044, well, that's kind of surprising. That was 1044, 1041. But... All right, so we've got some people jumping in tonight live. They're saying this is their first time jumping in live. Totally cool. People hear Appreciate us it. post and they're like, I want to get on the live show. So thank you for that. Super chats are up. It goes to helping support what we do here in the studio. Totally appreciate that. We'll give you a shout out as well. All right, Nick. Wait. FPO. Yes, quick little FPO talk. Uh, to win FPO, you had to average 973. And that was by the Duchess of Disc Golf, Miss Holly Finley. Second place by Katrina Allen. Two strokes back. And then third place was Ellen Widboom who has been a solid kind of like dark horse picks of ours through a couple of different big events. She was eight strokes back of second average rating to cash for FPO was nine Oh two. So for an eight tier, still some very solid finishes from people, very good average ratings. And uh, yeah, just another solid eight tier. I heard that course is long, like one of the longest courses, if I'm not mistaken. So can I just say this, and I honestly probably should think about how I say this before I say this, but I could not win FPO, okay, division. I couldn't win that. I win all the competitors are there. I don't think. Like, I don't think so. No. But, yeah, Nick's <laughs> like, no. Nick's like, I couldn't either. No. But honestly, Dude, right you, have to, you, have to average, you have to average nearly 980, 990, which is your yeah. rating. So you have to play as good as your rating yeah. always to win. Now, Which in disc golf is hard. But for me, but for me, I think... I, I don't know. I could at least cash an FPO, but that's not yeah. saying anyway. Going yeah. into the MPO, not a chance. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know what that says, except that there's good competitors in all fields. All right. Without further ado. Without further ado, let's go ahead and let's bring in our guest and uh, let's welcome him as friends do. Because I remember that on our last show. We said we're all friends. So yeah. so Nick's, uh, uh, Nick, you're sitting next to him. but you're I am. In air high five. Boom. No we haven't even given him a second yeah. to talk yet because I want his nope. first thing to talk about because every show you've talked about this first show, by the way, congrats, first show you were ever on with us. And you said, we're looking for a house. Show number two, you said, I'm putting in an offer for a house. Show number three, give us the update, Simon. Where are we at with that? He was evicted from his house. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You've done a show every week, right? Yes. The last... Yeah. So I've been on last thing was 10 weeks ago. Yep. And I didn't have that house yet 10 weeks ago. Wow. It's all still that fresh. Crazy times. I mean, I think anyone that's following me on any social media platforms knows that I just pretty much committed for the next couple of years of staying in Massachusetts. 
and uh, also got engaged. When was that? Like three or four weeks ago? GMC. Yeah, just before so. GMC. And uh, it was a, a crazy week. Crazy stuff with moving from a two-bedroom apartment to a four-bedroom house. Half the rooms are empty. We don't really know what to do with the space. But it just felt like the right move. And my fiance now um, has moved apartments in the last eight years eight times. So uh, she's incredibly happy to have something permanent now without having to move every year, changing schools or changing jobs, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy actually owning a house now and paying a mortgage instead of rent. It feels much better. Yeah, because you're putting it towards your own life. I, it feels yeah. much more like an Dude, investment. Honestly, you could probably rent out like three of the rooms in that house and not even notice the people were staying there. So you'd make a little bit of money back. <laughs> Obviously, one thing I thought was being so close to Maple Hill is I want to be one of the places to go. I know your your house obviously is one of the party places yeah. to go and yeah, people yeah. to stay at during Maple Hill. Yeah. But uh, I wanted a couple people to come over to my place. One of my first big investments for the house was obviously a big pool table in the middle of the living room. Like the first thing you see when you walk into the house is a giant pool table. It's awesome. Oh, it's just like a life dream of mine. I've been playing pool like. I don't want to say seriously, but like as my main hobby, mm-hmm. I think for the past 10 to 15 years. So it was a huge investment in my own happiness. And obviously, especially during Corona and COVID year, it's like I can't go to pool halls or do bars and shoot pool with friends or anything. So I knew this was the time. Actually, we chose that house specifically because it fit a nine foot pool table yeah. in the living room. It was funny. Simon was actually sending me a bunch of the Zillow links for houses that he was looking at. and. You know, I'd say, oh, dude, that's a beautiful house. It's got four acres. You know, it's got a garage and everything. And then I'll say, like, oh, are you going to go check it out? And he's like, probably not. And I'm like, why? It's it's beautiful. It's close to Maple. Like, what's what's wrong with it? Oh, it, it can't fit a pool table. And what you you bought a, yeah. is it a nine-footer? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. And the nine-foot pool tables, that's obviously, that's more of a competitive style one. Like, that's a very nice pool table compared to what you would see at, like, a local bar. Usually local bars are probably eight-footers. Yeah, I mean, if there's any pool nerds watching by chance, it's a Brunswick Gold Crown, and it is the five, and it's a brand new five. So, uh, in the world of pool tables, it's a good choice. I'd nice. say that. <laughs> Simon's very good. We'll uh, we'll casually play every so often. He just cleans house on me. You know, I don't even get a chance to hit. He'll get it off the break, and then just I'll be good in a year. That's my goal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So I'm just going to say, and I try to keep the technical aspects out of here. If anyone hears or sees cameras freeze up, that's our live show. Don't worry about it. It's it's glitches we're going to work with tonight. The audio is great and we can see everybody. But for some reason, other things are happening. So Simon, billiards, people are asking live. We like to talk about the things that are happening live. Someone's, Have you ever played in a billiard tournament? Yes. Um, nothing like huge or major. And I, I mean, I've played like league nights at pool halls more than i've played actual tournaments i think i've played one or two tournaments ever and i've always done decently well i feel like i always kind of like in disc golf i play better in tournaments than i would ever do in practice i usually practice pool by myself um and that's obviously so different than going in to a match with someone else because the pace is all different and the pressure is all different um, kind of like disc golf, if you just play solo rounds all the time and then suddenly you're stuck in a foursome playing in a tournament, like the whole pace is just really what's going to throw you off. Um, but I've 
I always do better in competition, and that's I, I, I love that. It's, it's been like that ever since I can remember. Ever since I've been like 13, 14 years old, I was always like, the more pressure in a tournament I had, the more people were watching, the more was on the line, the better I would play. I, You can't really see my facial expression unless I pull it up, I guess. I was like, and the reason for that is, and I, it's somehow my son always comes up. I love my family, right? But I think, and I'm, I'm going to kind of go down this road just a little bit with you because you brought it up. I'm pretty sure Hunter is the same way. And what I mean by that is what you're saying. So casual, he doesn't play that well. He's a good player, but he doesn't play that well. And when I pulled out actual camera coverage footage, throw cam, catch cam, I said, we're going to film everything, act like a professional, be a professional. He goes out and shoots his course record by four or five strokes. And it was just like, he's like, dad. I like it when people are watching me. That's great. It's so yeah. to your point, I feel like that's kind of what you're saying. It's the like, it's something to show for, right? It's not just for yourself. Yeah. I mean, just, I always struggle with like committing to shots, especially in practice. Um, and I don't really feel like I can give it my all when I know nothing's on the line. Um, it's just like the opposite of tournament jitters, I think. Wow. Kind of like I need that to actually start trying. And then when I actually start trying, I'll do good. As of lately, it hasn't been working that well. But uh You got an elbow issue going on right now. Yeah, in in general, um it's been always like that that I always even I never had to worry about practice rounds because I knew like, oh whatever, whatever, I shouldn't practice. I know I'm gonna play much better in a tournament. And maybe that's the mindset that actually multiplies that effect because the less you worry about something, the easier it'll be. And if yep. you're like certain that you're going to do well in tournament before and don't worry about practice rounds, then I think it'll just make things easier to just to stay positive and kind of like confident. Well, all I can say is I, I do not have that problem. <laughs> I'm like, uh, in fact, Nick, this week in Simon, I get to play at Maple Hill and it's the, the MVP open am side, the MVP. which got pushed. Yeah. The MVP, yeah. it got pushed off. And, I feel like I've come a long way, but I'm still pretty sure I'm going to be like, oh, why am I so nervous? Like, why does it happen? So well, it's because it's hole one maple and you're yeah. like, I got to clear the pond. And Well, luckily, but, I, you know, blue layout is actually really fun to start on because you're not playing from golds where sometimes throwing over the pond can be an issue. And it's not white where if you miss the deuce, you're upset about it. Kind of like with blues, you're really just trying to smash it over the pond. And it's a much easier shot than golds. And so that's where like... Is it though? Yeah. Nick, you literally, I, feel like because, I, I feel like I almost... I'm not going to say I can't reach the water. But I feel like from golds, I'm just like water. throwing straight and like hyzering. You like, can I'm, do the same thing for blues though. Just aim it right over yes, white's basket but I feel and like fade the, out left. I feel like the result is worse. Okay, that's it's Simon's like, I don't have yeah. the amp problem. Simon's like, I'm going no, for wait, the green. Don't get me wrong. Like, I get nervous before the first shot. Like, you, if you, if you step up to a big tournament, hole one, and you don't feel, if you feel zero nerves, yeah. it might be time to like do something else because then you're like not at all in the right mindset. No, I you definitely feel nerves, and sometimes it lasts through much more holes than I would like to admit. Mm -hmm. But uh, I always feel like I play better nervous than I do completely not caring. Did we talk to... Oh, by the way, we, reminder, uh, the 2K giveaway, comment your favorite episode. I think Dave Felberg, we Dave talked Felberg's about Dave Felberg's episode was incredible to talk about this, and I think we actually touched a little bit about it with Seth Muncy as well, just the mental aspect. But and I've heard Paul say this before, too, where if you're not walking up to that first hole like simon just said without those jitters like you're not in it to win it 
And I think that's for a large amount of people, they do step up to a tournament. And especially like for me, it's different because when I step up to a pro tour event, I obviously, I want to do really well and I want to prove myself to other people that, you know, I am a good player, but I'm not going to a pro tour event right now with the mindset that, yes, I'm going to win this. I'm just, I'm not there yet. And I know that. And so it's funny, pro tour events, I'm actually a little bit more relaxed, which I like than I am going to a local event, you know, like I had a couple wins last year. And I remember just playing those and being like, man, this is my home course. I can't wait to compete at this event. And that's when I was actually like nerves were shaking. I remember hitting a winning putt to win by one at a tournament last year. And that was like, dude, I never want to have to, like I was in a playoff and I was like, bro, I, I can't even feel my body right now. <laughs> like, Real nerves, quick. What happened but, this last weekend? You took third. Yeah, I took third at an A tier up in New Hampshire. It's pretty good. Um, don't be so sad. Don't yeah, be so sad. It's, no, see, I'm sad about it because <laughs> my rating did not reflect. I, I had one good round. Nick, do ratings actually matter? They do when you're trying to get over a thousand, yes, and I then know. after a thousand, it's kind of like which ratings matter because of sponsorships, right? Yes, now. I agree. And so when I want to level up my sponsorship, I play for the underground team. For people who don't know, um, when I try to make a push to get onto Team Discraft. Being over a thousand rated is a very big selling point in someone's career. Obviously, having wins like Paul Uliberry just tweeted this. He's like, pro players need to go out and play C tiers, B tiers, A tiers more often because ratings don't matter. He thinks that wins matter more than ratings, which I a hundred percent agree with. But when you're a lower level pro trying to get into that next sponsorship level, that thousand rating kind of proves that you are an above average player in your Consistent. area. Yeah, consistency. I would say absolutely. So right now, ratings do matter because they're part of disc golf. But I think if they were to just get deleted tomorrow, I'd probably have so much more fun playing the sport. <laughs> I, I agree. Um, people yeah. are commenting because this is a live show. So you can listen to it live again and see this stuff. I was wondering with this new wide camera angle, like what people were going to look at and see. Yeah, I saw the comment. Yeah. <laughs> what was the comment? Like, where are Simon's shoes? Yeah, where oh. <laughs> and Simon doesn't wear shoes in someone's house or something. <laughs> like it's so funny. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not wearing shoes either. It, it's just it's a comfortable house. He I gave him the option, guys. I said he can wear them whatever he wants. So I have my shoes. On. So again, for our live show, sorry, the camera is it, I have multiple like five <laughs> cameras hooked up and one of the cameras just like disconnected. So we're gonna keep going with this wide angle for tonight. Um, uh, I just want to say something while we're on kind of like that fun casual hobby talk with the billiards. Simon's also a nasty darts player and I'm obsessed with playing darts against him now. Cause we were, we were playing a tournament up in Maine a few weeks back and on the way home, he was driving. I'm sitting there and kind of like listening for something to do. And he tells me, you know, he shows me one of the most perfect things to ever happen in darts. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, that was fun. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I went back to his place and we started playing darts and I was like, dude, I can't even hit the 20 points consistently. Like, and these people are hitting triple 20, triple 20, triple 20. And I'm sitting there like I'm hitting his wall. <laughs> even the other night I accidentally hit his wall and, uh, <laughs> out of rage, <laughs> out of rage. I, I just feel like, the wall. didn't we, uh, we've, so we've had Simon on for those who don't know, we've had you on. It just so happened. The we first show you were so awesome. You're like, yeah, I'll come on, help out some locals. Then 10 episodes later, you're, we needed somebody last minute and you were local and you were available. And then we said, Hey, every 10, maybe it, it happens. Maybe it doesn't, but this is every 10. I think we did discuss darts last time. Darts. And I think we asked 
Like, what would you rate yourself if it was disc golf ratings? And I think you said thousand. Oh my gosh! Now we tried to like compare it. Darts is a crazy game as well. Like disc golf, it's I mean, you play by yourself. You play kind of the board, how it comes, how it comes, and it's you go up and down. Like if you're not a pro at it, you just ride the roller coaster. Some days you're on, some days you're off, and. I am in a slump right now. I have been trying to play well, and I've just get I'm getting kind of frustrated now because it's like a thing where you, if you play every day, and I play darts every day at home, I feel like if I play every day, I want to get better every day. Mm-hmm. But that's just not how it works. That's not how disc golf works. That that's not how any sport works. But yeah, we want it to. Yeah, but we like like I can play pool every day, but then in six months from now, I could play worse than I am today. Yeah, at least for one day. It might go back up after that, but it's just it always goes up and down and you just got to be patient with it. And compared to the pros and darts, I'm just a complete, complete beginner level. Uh, Yeah, I'm curious where you would average because you're the only player that I've seen actually play. Yeah. Besides for watching on YouTube, the pro players and like what they do is absolutely insane, Matt. It's when you learn the game, what they do (laughs) is disgusting. So like when Simon on hits, purpose like hitting the little yeah, little hitting part, the, and then hitting the little the, green yeah, twenty I know, I know. and then like Simon will hit two in a row sometimes. And you're just like, dude, that was not nasty. two in a row, Simon. No, you did not. No, <laughs> no, like, it's it's one of these things hit. that the better you are at something, the more you can appreciate how good like the pros are, or someone that's actually really yes. good at it. And it's like if yeah. if you watch tennis on TV. You'll be like, yeah, okay, that's kind of cool. I guess they're good at it. But if you've actually played tennis before, it's like. Those guys are so yeah. sick at tennis. It's insane. Or golf is the yeah. same way. If you watch golf on TV, a lot of people think it's so boring. But if you go out every week and try to hit a golf ball towards the green, yeah. it's it just becomes a whole new appreciation of how good yeah. these guys are. And I'm a complete nerd when it comes to darts and pool. And I, I'm basically on YouTube all day. If I'm not playing myself, I'm probably watching people play. Damn. It's fun. It's fun. So I just want to say, because I feel like this comes up because Every time I'm talking to a professional disc golfer, and I think you are probably still in the top three rated ever, I find myself not being able to relate with you, but at the same time going, now you can relate with me because in disc golf, you're a professional. Like, and I'm going, when I watch Simon throw this shot, you can only imagine how good, you know, disc golfers are. And I'm like, I try to do that. And then you play darts and you're like, man, I can only imagine how good they are. And that's, it's really cool. I mean, it's just like you finding your thing, you find what yeah. you enjoy. I don't know what my thing is that I'm like 1,030 rated at, but maybe it's having a family. I don't know. I've got four yeah, boys. 1030 rated dad. I think I'm a, uh, trying to, Thanks, Nick. trying to rate my piano skills. Because I don't want to like sound cocky, but I think I'm like a 1030 rated <laughs> piano player, to be honest. Like I can I can usually sit down like I have a, I have a very nice Billy Joel book that I love to play. And uh, I can usually sit down if I really want to and learn a song within a couple hours. Yeah, I'll give Nick that. I'll give Nick. I, I would say you're yeah. you're highly rated as well. OK, great so, piano player. And it's fun. I find a lot of enjoyment. I've actually been getting back into it a lot more lately, just, you know, especially as the winter approaches. You know, not that it's cold right now because it's really not. But like at nighttime, it's fun to just have on Jomez Pro or watch something else and play and the piano. Play the piano at the same time. And Simon, I was told that you play. Oh, my camera froze. Sorry. I was just told that you play um, guitar, acoustic guitar. So, yeah. like, how long have you been doing that? And like, how much do you actually enjoy doing that? Um. Well, I started. My dad is a 
pretty good guitar player, I'd say. And uh, he's been into it forever. My dad's brother actually was in a traveling band, like, way back before I was born. Their name was Bob's Your Uncle, and they were touring mainly in Canada, but also did a couple gigs in the States. Um, and my dad was actually their bus driver for a while and uh, obviously picked up some musical skills along the way. So I grew up around always two or three guitars in the house, so I picked it up at some point. My dad taught me my first couple chords and a couple songs to play, and then in, in uh, what's, what do you call it? What's the school before high school? Middle school. Middle, is that what it's called? Oh, elementary school or Elementary school, school. Okay. yeah, like that time yep. when I'm like, 9, 10, 11 years old, um, I would take all the music classes that were available. Like We called it band class at that time, mm -hmm. and I would be in every class band playing the guitar. It was like super simple stuff, but I got better and better, and I eventually started taking lessons, <clears throat> sorry, guitar lessons for like three or four years. I think I had like lessons like once or twice a week um, with a guy that was insanely good at guitar, one of like the best guitar teachers in Bremen in Germany where I grew up and we would have concerts every now and then um I never really played in a band I started like playing or more like solo gigs I was never great but I was like good enough to make it seem like I'm okay so it's something I always just did for fun and I definitely I I have two guitars at home and I haven't played I think now in weeks but uh Oh, yeah. other than main at the fire pit yeah, 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 yeah that doesn't really count Just, that's a whole that's, different that's style more like playing. casual playing yeah i did the same thing when i was in high school i took uh intro to piano my like junior year because i needed some electives and uh i got into the class and they say hey can you do you know can you do a scale and so i went and i tried to like jokingly do it very poorly and then my teacher was like, oh, no, 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 seriously, like, actually try to do it. And then I went and did it with my left hand and right hand at the same time. And she's like, oh, you actually play the piano? I was like, yeah, I've been playing for years now. And so she would actually send me to one of the piano rooms that was just like a solo piano room. And she was like, I want you to learn these songs. They were the same songs she was learning. Uh, she was the piano player for the honors course, the honors choir. So I would learn the songs just for fun and play them with her. We would do duets just like her and I. It was really fun. But I got an A in the class. It was one of my few A's. <laughs> All right, enough about us. Rambling. Simon, you just hit 100,000 subscribers. Uh, before we talk exactly about that, I just saw a video come up where you threw, I, I'm going to ask you, was it one of your first trick shots ever on video? It was uh, I think it was Avery driving the van, the basket was on top of it over a bridge, you were down in the water or wherever. Like, is, I saw that on video. Can you tell us how that video came to be? Like, what was the scenario? And then was that one of your first ever on video? Because that's what I remember myself about you. Yes. I, I, as far as I remember, this was 2017. I was on tour with Eric Oakley, actually. So Eric was driving the motorhome. And we were traveling down from the GMC, so from Vermont down to South Carolina to play the USDGC. And we had the off weekend in between those two events. And we were... Uh, we were like, what do you call it if you travel with another car that's behind you? Caravanning. Oh, Car caravanning. Yeah, we were caravanning kind of yep. with uh, Paige Pierce and Madison Walker, who were on tour together. And we were somewhere in the middle of nowhere in West Virginia. And it, it was like kind of like a rainy day. It was only like 55 degrees out. And it was Tuesday, and I always used to say in the day, uh, it's Trick Shot Tuesday, guys. We got to mm -hmm. do something. That's mm. shout out to Brody, I think. He's one of the guys that started that. Um, 
So we just drove down into even more the middle of nowhere with no cell service or anywhere along the stream, like along these little mountains. And we came up to this bridge and first we tried some like skip shots off the motorhome, like over the bridge. And I was like, ah, it's cool, but not cool enough. And then we tried shots where the motorhome was stationary on the bridge and I would throw shots at the basket on top of the motorhome, but the motorhome didn't move. And I like hit the basket like dead center after like four tries. And I was like, ah, it seems too easy. It's cool, but too easy. And I was like, what if the motorhome like starts driving and I hit it while the basket is moving on top of the motorhome from, we were standing in the water, in the creek. It was raining. It was cold out. And uh, we had like a stack of like 25 putters or something. I was only like 150 plus minus 10 feet away and we tried it over and over. It was this Discmania light basket on top of the motorhome, which is not designed at all to catch, <laughs> catch anything. anything, especially not on top of yeah. a motorhome in the rain from mm-hmm. 150 feet away. Um, so I had dead center spit outs like four or five times and we were about to give up because I was late for a meeting that I had with Discmania later that day. And we had to leave that there because there was no service there. So I couldn't do the meeting there, obviously. And then I think my last couple stacks of throws, I it finally stuck. And uh, Paige, no, Madison was filming and Paige was like waving the motor home. So it was like a whole thing we did. And that was actually my fifth or sixth like trick shot that I was like really proud of. And that like stuck as like the best one ever, I think. That's honestly yeah. like I w- I was trying to reminisce like I've been in the sport now 13 14 years maybe and I was like thinking back and I'm like I feel like that's like my first recognition or like realization like Simon who is this guy wow he can throw mm-hmm. cool shots <laughs> Yeah It was so random how I got into trick shots too it was it was just it happened by chance and then I noticed oh people love this let me keep doing it and then it just built and built and suddenly I was at 10,000 followers on Instagram and I was like the fastest growing, like 10,000 now sounds like not a lot, but yeah. five years ago in disc golf, that was like, I mean, Paul Macbeth maybe at 12,000, but I was yeah, like the fastest no growing disc golfer. Um, so it was kind of like a, just a cool gig and I had a lot of fun with it. Um, and I'm glad I did it. It was always a, a pretty great time and the reactions and fan base I built from that was has been pretty special. So I'll just say, first of all, shout out two super chats just came in. Shout out to Chris Carpenter. He says rambling is what makes this show special. I don't. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> and and Doc Zen. He's he's been with us he since agrees. day one. I think. Yeah, he, agrees. he says I agree appreciate with that. It. So we try not we to really ramble, but maybe it. some good stuff comes out sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we hear some things we might not hear elsewhere. Yeah, I need to ramble real quick because I promised myself I was going to say this, and I I just want to do a real quick public apology to Jeremy Coling, who was last week's guest. And I feel like I betrayed his trust a bit by my <laughs> oh two my truths gosh. and a lie. Because it is that true. Was so funny. I talked to him literally the week before <laughs> at MVP Open about that I've never bought a disc. And it's kind of been like one of these things that it's so close to true that I just kind of always went with it. <laughs> right. That is so And funny. for the longest time it was true, but then this one special night <laughs> I think it was in Texas, this guy came up to me with a first run PD two. And I was kind of like desperate looking for like a new main driver. And the first one PD2 was like the drivers of drivers for me, um, which is like an expensive disc. It's like 50 to to $100 depending yeah. on what they want for it. Yep. He came to me in the parking lot and was like, look, I have a first run PD2. It was like the yellow ones that I loved. And I was like, dang, 
And I pulled I like sixty dollars out of my pocket and just handed him sixty bucks. So I bought one disc <clears throat> somewhere in Texas in a parking lot for myself. And that was back in twenty seventeen, I think maybe sixteen. But I and Germ is kind of the only guy that always followed up with it. Like, <laughs> you're the guy I never bought a disc, and it's kind of like a cool fun fact. <laughs> But I thought it was the time to come clean and say it is actually not true. Because technically, there's one guy out there that knows it's not true. Yep. And I couldn't live with that. So I'm sorry, Germ. Now there's hundreds that, that I, know it's uh, not true. That so. you have to find out that way. And I'm, I felt really bad about that, honestly. <laughs> that, I, that actually makes me laugh so bad. Because That's what I'm saying. Jeremy was so... So like headstrong, as in he's like, I would I would put my life on that Simon has never bought a disc before. And I'm thinking yeah. in my head, I was like, well, I know he's never sold a and disc. Then, yeah, and then you're saying it, and he yeah. goes, he starts scratching his head. He's like, I guess he's going to miss this putt. Yeah, <laughs> and so that's that's what it was. It was like, well, if Jeremy's saying that, you know, <clears throat> he swears that uh, Simon has never bought a disc. I yeah. was like, well, then he probably misses that putt. Yeah. But then I'm like... I've played golf with Simon. He's a good putter. He reads the greens well, and he's also a trick shotter. And so it was probably his tenth try. Yeah. That How he many times do you think we filmed that? Seven. Nope. Three. What? How many? Four. Four. Okay, I guess okay. three. And it was in hindsight. I'm like, of course he's gonna make it. And I, I'm. I've said this before. I listen to these shows back not because I'm obsessed with myself, but because we want to do better. Mm-hmm. And when I listened back, I think I was laughing at that point too. Because in my head, and I appreciate your apology there to him, but in my head, I was like. Obviously, it was something exactly like what you said. It's like the reality is like, no, I don't. I never have. But yeah. like, it's this one off random thing. That was cool. Jeremy Colling, if you're in here, say hi. We Sometimes we have some high profile guests yeah. stop in here and we'll see who shows up tonight. I tune in every now and then. <clears throat> oh, I'm not going to say who, but uh, our judged disc golfer is in the room. Okay. Ooh. So here we go. Um what have been some of your most popular video uploads? Maybe vlogs of recent or even in the past however many years? Like, what do you, would you say some of your most popular video vlogs or content was? That's a good question. Any video that has Paul in the thumbnail or title it always does well. Paul is the best clickbait you can ever have. We've experienced that. For a reason, that. he totally earns that. And uh, it's awesome to have him in a video. I, I like him even besides the fact that he's great for video. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thanks for coming on the show, Paul. It is any kind of tutorials or like lessons. And people ask me a lot, like, why I don't do more lessons on my channel because those get the most views. People love them. People reach out to me all the time and was like, dude, your distance video helped me so much. Even like older guys that have been playing disc golf for like 30 years, 30 plus years, come up and talk to me like, I've never heard someone explain it that well. And thank you so much for making that video. And it helped me so much to throw further after 30 years. And I was like so mind blown by that because personally, because I the reason I don't do more of those videos is because I feel like I'm not good at it. It's I just it's like this fine line between just being good at something and being good at teaching something. And I think pros are very rarely good at teaching why they're good at it. Especially people that have been playing for their whole life. Like if you started something as a child, you'll have a hard time teaching what you're good at because most of the time you develop your own way of doing it. And like it's not really teachable if you didn't start when you were five. And other than that is you don't even think about it because it's like walking for you. It's just like in your system so deep that you don't even want to know what you do and how you do because that will just screw you up. 
and it'll just be you would have to study yourself really closely to actually be good at talking about what you do and why you do it because i can pretty much guarantee that anyone that started young and is really good at something does not think about what they're doing while they're doing it that's <laughs> that's a good point and i i've tried to teach my kids and it's like I don't know, dad. I just, I, I'm good at jump putts. I'm not, I'm like, try No, I, I can just do it. So yeah, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. It's hard to teach it. So, um, what would you say you enjoy most about, well, you've only been in it for a week or two now having a hundred thousand subscribers, like loyal fans. Yeah. Like, I mean, and maybe haters too, that just want to keep tabs on you. But like, what do you, what do you think about a hundred thousand? Like, what does that mean to you? And obviously you said, thanks. We've watched your video on your channel. Like, what does that mean to you? It's it's hard to explain what it means to me because it was like something that I completely like never expected or it was never my goal. Like I when I first started and I bought that little camera, I went to Best Buy with this idea like I need to do something like I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I I've always wanted to do video stuff. Like if you look back on my channel and you scroll all the way down to the first videos, they're from like five or six years ago and they're called like deep in the game disc mania vlog one and i was always like there trying but i never like committed or never really had enough discipline to keep it going because back then i was like touring like full time in a motorhome never really having wi-fi on the road to upload stuff or anything so uh, it was a whole different life back then and committing to anything and being so disciplined to do it on the road would have been way beyond my skills so now that I have like a home base here, everything was kind of set up for it. And I went out and bought like a really good camera and a, the best laptop, the best MacBook that you can buy, basically, which obviously I don't need. And at that time wasn't really like, oh, yeah, let me go buy a two and a half thousand dollar laptop. Like I can afford that. Like not really. Um, but I did that for the reason that I made sure that I would commit to it because I didn't want to let myself down by oh, I got a $300 laptop, like, I don't really care about that, whatever. Yeah. But if I buy a $2,000 laptop and a $500 camera, like, I better do something with this. Yeah. And I just made, forced myself to commit to it. And just instantly, within the first 10 days, I think, I jumped to 10,000 subscribers. And I was just like, holy cow, what is going on? This is way more attention than I wanted and that I ever expected. Um, so it felt way more serious than I wanted. I just thought I would have like three, 4,000 subscribers maybe that were like my loyal fans. And I would just make videos for the guys that like really cared about me and Dismania. And then uh, the first year I did a 2018 off season, I went up to 20,000, I think, in the first couple months I did that. Then that whole 2019 season, I really didn't do anything. I like dropped the whole channel and I picked it back up at the end of last season and that's when I got an even better camera. And that's when I had like 25,000 subs where things started getting more serious. I started monetizing the videos in December of last year. I've only been monetizing for, what is it now, 10 months? 10 months now, yeah. Um, pretty crazy because, and I only did that because UC talked me into it. If you don't know who UC is, he's my boss, basically. He's the guy, Discmania guy. And... I didn't want to do it because I didn't want people to watch ads before my videos because I was like, my videos aren't good enough to have an ad before them and people have to watch a 
15 second ad before they watch whatever I put up. I just like didn't <laughs> so seem like mean. that was justified. Yeah. But anyway, he talked me into it and said, people don't care about ads, whatever. So I did it and I thought maybe eventually I could pay off the laptop I bought for uh, from my YouTube revenue or the cameras that I purchased. Just like, and now looking back in the last 10 months, the money I've made on the YouTube channel has been like far beyond that. And it's like from that f- fun side gig hobby is like almost like a serious job now. It's like a second job for you. Yeah, and when, once I went over 30,000, 40,000 subscribers, which all kind of like happened like every month, it would be another 10,000. Um, I thought like, yeah, okay, it's pretty good. I'm doing well and I'm coming up with decent ideas. Casey was really helpful and during the pandemic, uh, during the quarantine. And we went, had like, I put out a video, I think, for 10 weeks every other day. Just like we were locked in. Like I would shoot three videos in a day, mm-hmm. upload them the next six days, and then repeat. Like, it was just a crazy, crazy thing. And people were loving it. There were some good videos, some not so good videos. But all in what, all... What was, what, what was one of the not, not good videos, I, you remember? I actually... So <laughs> I know which one was a not so good video. Well, there's there's been a couple that I wasn't happy with. Actually, a couple that I... Like two or three, I think, ever I filmed and never uploaded because they were so bad. And then what one the or two ideas? that are uploaded that like Natalia, my fiance, had to like talk me into uploading because I was like, oh, this is so boring. Like, I don't even want to yeah. watch this myself. But I'm also sitting there editing it for like two or three hours. And I've watched it like 10 times over and over. And like, I can't be asked to watch this ever again. I don't want to have people go through this. But every time I'm like scared to click on my video again to see how many dislikes it got. Because I'm like mental that way, it's really annoying. <laughs> That's how Matt is, to be honest. But but you then and Matt I click, are very similar. In that but then same I click way. on it, and it's like 99% like to dislike ratio. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, like people just appreciate me trying and putting stuff out there more than they really take it that seriously on what the content is, and that every minute has to be like exciting or hole in one or a trick shot. Yeah. Whatever. So um, it's been super crazy. And I thought I was going to hit a wall at some point, like at 60 to 70,000. I was like, that's all the disc golfers there is. Like, there's no more people that would be even interested or know about a disc golf channel on YouTube. And obviously, Jomez has reached higher levels and has been uh, crazy inspirational and motivational for any channel, I think, in disc golf now that uh, they kind of like made it seem possible but i still thought i was never going to like go over 70 yeah thousand i thought i was just going to like get to there quickly but then kind of just like stay there and that's going to be all i ever have which was fine for me because anything above 50 was always already so serious like the pressure you have if you hold a camera in your face and you realize a hundred thousand people are going to see this like it actually starts to matter and it's just pressure that i never thought i needed (laughs) But uh, I'm. I think I'm. I've been handling it pretty well. I've never really thought about it too much. I try to think about it every video I make. Is that I'm talking to like the thousand. I want to say without trying to sound cocky or anything, but I have a thousand fans, and that's what I try to treat it like a thousand like real fans that like buy every signature disc, watch every tournament, and just support me in every way they can. Always hit the like button, no matter how crappy the video is. Yeah. So I feel like I'm going to make the video for those thousand people that they're happy. And then the rest is just bonus. And then obviously a hundred thousand is a, a huge milestone on YouTube. I mean, you, you get the YouTube play. Yeah, button. Did you get your plaque? No, 
the instructions say that they will reach out to you after about a week-ish after you reach 100k and then you have to go through like oh sorry they're gonna like check how legit your content is and your channel is which mine obviously is legit so um i'm probably gonna get the plaque within the next couple of weeks i would guess dude that's so cool and uh it's I've been a huge fan of YouTube for the longest time, and I follow probably 15 to 20 YouTubers like on a daily basis. And obviously, they all have their YouTube play buttons in the back of their uh, studios. And uh, it's it's something that wasn't even a goal. I can't even say it was my goal to reach 100,000 subs because I never thought it was possible or even close to possible. So it just feels like mind-blowing. Like yeah. It's just something that I never thought was going to be a thing. But it's, it's cool. cool. It also feels really cool. Yeah, I think one of the great things about that is, you know, you're talking about Joma's Pro, and their content is so much different from what you do. They put out post-round coverage, and they do the showmez and everything like that. Like, their comment, their content is very different from what you as a vlogger are doing. So you're the second biggest channel on YouTube right now for disc golf, and you're just doing it from, like, vlogs and trick shots and stuff like that, like your everyday life. And that's what I think people are absolutely obsessed with is because your channel allows people to be close with you. You know, they've learned things about you that they wouldn't know just from watching you play 18 holes at GMC or something like that. And especially, you know, you've put on so many people, especially with Casey, you've put on so many different people with your vlogs that there are a decent amount of people at this point who can say, you know, yeah, I've gotten an ace on Simon's vlogs or yeah, I've, you know, I've been on Simon's vlogs before. Like, Mm -hmm. How quickly did you hit 100k views the roller ace that Eagle did? Wasn't it like same day? I think it was next like, day, yeah, within 24 hours. Within 24 hours, he had 100k views already. Can yeah, you just that, that was that, that was that's relevant top topic. I watched that and I actually was out there with Hunter 3 or 2 years prior for Junior Worlds and I played that hole. Yeah. Very cool watching you jump off the rock wall and all that and excitement. I'm like I was on that rock, it was pretty cool. But can you just walk us through that like First of all, for those who don't know, give us the setup and then like how legit was that all around? Like just give us the how did that go? So, of course, I want to be somewhat consistent with my uploads. So even when we're out at a tournament, that was this case that we were in Emporia, Kansas. um, And I was like, "Ah, if I could at least do one video a week, maybe two videos a week would be awesome. Like easy ones to do is like a practice round vlog because with the channel, the numbers my channel gets now. Like, I could pretty much ask any other pro if you want to be on my channel, and everyone would be, like, happy to, because it's also, for them, obviously, fun and exposure. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a problem with shouting out Prodigy or Discraft on my channels. Like, I literally don't care. I just want it to be for everyone. And that's something, if the pandemic slows down next year, I really hope it does. Um, I really want to have every single pro, male, female, whatever it is, Whoever they play for, I want them on my channel to be able to shout them out and just just show that everyone out there is just such just so cool. Like mm-hmm. I don't have a problem pretty much with anyone on the disc golf tour, and I could make a fun video with pretty much anyone. So that's one thing I want to do. And I totally lost track of what the question was. Oh, the roller ace. That's where we were. How did I lose track so badly? We're anyway, rambling. Yeah, roller ace. So we just played round one of the DD Open. Um, we got done pretty early because the guys tee off before the girls now, which changes actually surprisingly a lot of the whole flow and vibe of the tournament. Because now instead of getting done at 6 or 7 p.m., we get done at like 3 or 4 p.m. 
which it makes a huge difference because then we have all day to still do stuff. Yeah. Um. So Eagle and I finished the round. Casey was running around somewhere doing stuff. I don't remember what he was doing, but Casey has unlimited energy, of course, 21-year-old <laughs> or 20-year-old, I think. Yeah. Um. So Eagle and I were sitting at home like, oh, I, I need to do a vlog. I think I said to Eagle, I need to do a vlog. Can we go do something? And Eagle had a mystery box that the Swinia shipped to that address we were staying at, our Airbnb in Emporia. And this whole mystery box promo stuff is a huge thing between me and Eagle because we're always dreading the mystery box season because that means we have to make 50 videos of us saying, guys, the new mystery boxes are here. Get yours now at the Dismania store. Um, so that's been going on for a couple of years and we had the mystery box and Eagle was like, look, we have to do mystery box promo. So I was like, let's do something on my channel. Like I know Dismania would be stoked if I put, I, I don't know how many subs I had then, but like 60,000, I it's think. Probably 60 or 7K. Um, so I was like, Dismania would be stoked if I put it on my channel, especially as like a full video challenge that's actually fun to watch instead of just saying, here, mystery box, buy it now. Um, so we went to this little course. We were staying I don't know if you know that Airbnb that Jeremy Rusko rents out literally right next to hole one from Country Club. So it's a two second walk to tee off one. So that course we were doing the roller ace at was, I don't know, we actually took my car, which is like a 30 second drive, <laughs> but you could walk there in two minutes. Um, but we were lazy and had a camera set up. So we called Casey over. He was obviously down to join because he, obviously any chance he gets to be on the vlog, he's totally keen and... He's actually really good at filming, which I appreciate so much because so many people don't really care about the right shot. And Casey like puts effort into it and is actually good at it. So it's great to have him. Um, we just played this fun game where you pick a random disc out of the mystery box. And that's the disc you have to use for that hole. Those were all short holes, like all 200 foot shots. So it doesn't really matter what we throw. It was just a fun challenge. We didn't think anything great of it or anything crazy was going to happen. But, you know, there's always a chance for maybe a close ace run or something to go in. That's that's nice. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we get to the <laughs> last hole. Sorry. Sorry. We distracted him. The chat came up and, and Nick's mom commented and said, hi, guys. So Everyone anyway. say hi to my mom, please. Hi, Nick's mom. Okay. So continue on. <laughs> so that hole, it has like a ramped up basket location. Um. Yeah. So we get to the last hole. Nothing great has happened yet. I think we've hit like a couple cool putts, but nothing special. So I was like, oh, it's going to be kind of a boring video. Obviously, just like a mystery box promo, kind of like, uh, whatever. But then out of complete nowhere, Eagle is like, this could be a roller ace. Like we, Because we played this course for the first time. We didn't really know. We didn't see the basket on that hill in the dark shades. So we walked up to it, and we saw like these roots right in front of the basket. And Eagle pointed out like off camera, all off camera, like those roots in front of the camera, those could go... Those could be a roller ace because the, the disc would jump up from the root into the basket. I didn't even look at that. I had no clue where Eagle was going. I was like, yeah, yeah, of course, whatever. This video's done. So we get back to the tee. Eagle grabs the freaking mystery disc, which was the... Oh, my God. It was some know what it is. Some special blend uh, instinct. I think chameleon instinct is what they call it uh, back then. So. Oh, okay. Anyway, he pulls the disc out, which was like the perfect coincidence, the perfect promo yeah. for that yep. disc, basically, and uh, goes like calls it before the shot, like here's the roller ace. It was all one take, all completely first shot and legit. We we wouldn't be that crazy to try that multiple times, obviously, because yeah. 
that's just the chances are one in a million of that happening, yeah. basically. With the camera on, he hit it. It's insane. So, yeah, first chalk, Casey on the camera. I'm just watching Eagle do his thing, kind of being a goofy show off. And he throws it on like this hard, low sidearm. I'm like, damn, that angle is sweet. That looks really good. But obviously, it's not going to go in. Like, that's not a thing. And it just jumps right in, hits the top of the basket, and goes straight back down into the cage. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> just happened that is the most insane thing i've ever seen eagle like took his hat off and was that's the best best days i've ever thrown yeah how could it not be we were jumping off the wall and i was like oh my god uc is gonna love us so much for (laughs) what just happened just having the business side at business side of things already in my head but um obviously greatest shot one of the greatest shot ever like on my vlog i think yeah probably the greatest but what's funny is that uh you guys had driven you and casey had driven to oklahoma first right and that's actually when casey first got sponsored by Discmania. i think yeah yeah that so was, that, I, mean, that I already knew of, you already knew that that was happening yes yeah but that was casey's first video as a Discmania sponsored player it was that's pretty sweet exactly i remember when i did yeah. the intro here's team Discmania, casey white eagle mcmahon and Sunday's yeah. so that Obviously, for Casey, also a special moment. But uh, as Matt, wow. Oh, here's the chameleon. What a turnaround. Look at his just... hair, though. Oh, that's just... Uh, this is my favorite part. So those, for people who are watching in the car right now, I don't have the audio up here. I can pull it up. <laughs> What's happening? Oh, I, feel, I feel bad for Casey because he can't, like, run around and cheer yeah. right now. Roller ace. That was there a roller go. ace. <laughs> so, ace. Eagle... That's Eagle it. with his shaggy. You guys were jumping dish. off the rock. It's Mystery p- dish. Oh, way to close it out. Pure joy. So, okay. So I just had to pull it up because that part where you literally are running around, it's like, I don't, I don't know if you can get pure joy, like that feeling or like record that any other way than what you I was guys say, did. That's kind, of, that's kind of when you know that that legitimately was. That's almost at 300,000 views now. I think that's my second most watched video after the video I posted years ago with Paul oh, doing the, the indoor inside. challenge. Yeah, the indoor. But um, no, if you've ever been in Kansas in July, one the worst thing about that video was the humidity. It was just, oh. we were drenched within minutes out there. It was just sticky and muggy and hot. And we were just like, why are we doing this to ourselves? But it turned out to be this awesome experience. Well, Good so time. we talked, or or I should say, Earlier, you mentioned the Paul Macbeth effect. Yeah, Nick, is it worth shouting out that we just destroyed our last week's record? Yeah, so I was actually going to say that because people actually just started talking about it. But I think, honestly, right now we have the Simon Lazat effect because <laughs> we have, from what it seems, at one point we had 395 people watching. Live. Yeah, we're going to hit 400 if people are so I, kind to continue sharing. I, I'm kind of really stoked to hit 400. Guys, if, I don't know. If we hit 400 tonight, might do something crazy on my Instagram. I don't know yet. But <laughs> so Nick, we're, once we're you taking our hats off. This is kind of crazy because you and I started this just for fun. And now there's and our, 400 our, people our watching first... and listening to Simon, not us. But yeah, but our, our first week we had three, like 30 people. <laughs> we were and that happy. was with Simon and Terry. We had like yeah, 50, but we had 55 people actually. Anyways, we might. People are hit over 400 if, if someone tonight, shares this insane. that's in here, share it yeah. everywhere, we'll we'll hit it. I, all I, I can say is Simon's talking time. about the 100,000, and he's like, dude, I can't believe it. We're over here like, I can't believe we yeah. have almost 400 live. But you know what? It It's all in perspective, right? When you started. I'm, Absolutely. I remember, do you guys know Noah Cronin? 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, Daily yeah. Disc Golf on YouTube. When Shout I, out. When, yeah, he's the greatest guy and the most passionate guy on YouTube, I think. And I think he did a series like years ago where he filmed every he's single a... day for like 300 days in a row or something. Just mad stuff. And he was, when I first filmed with him, he had like maybe just over a thousand subs or just, I don't know. And uh, ever since then, I've been following his channel and he's been having much more success, great viewers. And I think his fan base is like probably one of the strongest because you can really tell how much work and passion he puts into it. And I, I think that's just the greatest thing. And I mm-hmm. think even if it's 90,000 less than me, I'm, I mean, it's still almost as awesome. Daily disc golf. Yeah. Shout out to him. He is a local in the mm-hmm. sense of within an hour or two of us. Yeah, That's I think awesome. So. He, good he's for like him. a borderland native out there. So we're having such a good time. I, I want to hit a few more questions before yeah. we get into there, like... I, got, I got one. <clears throat> totally off topic from the vlogs and everything like that. But you grew up in Bremen, Germany. Obviously, you're a European pro disc golfer. That's kind of where your career started was in the European scene. What is the difference between since you've come over to the States to play professionally versus playing in Europe. European Open is obviously one of the most prestigious and most professional events, I think, out there. It's obviously got to be nice going back to Europe once or twice a year, depending on how many times it happens. But what's the difference between European disc golf, USA disc golf? Ooh, that's I, I've been asked that questions that question a lot many times, actually. And I never feel like I have a great answer for it because disc golf is at a constant change change basically in the states and in europe and europe is catching up i think with the states pretty much month by month when it comes to course count and players and professionalism and payouts um we're slacking a bit in like big tournaments we only have like one sometimes two big tournaments a year um and most pro 99.9 percent of the pros are u.s players yeah um i think before my time, there were maybe a handful, maybe even less, two or three Europeans that gave it a shot, that came over to the States and played on the national tour and all the A-tiers that were to grab back then. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, the majors. A European still to this day hasn't won a world title in the MPO. Mm-hmm. There was a FBO world champion from Sweden. Um, shout out to Brigida. <laughs> if you're watching... Um, but no, disc golf in Europe is just, it's also hard to say Europe in general because there's like Finland, Sweden, Norway. Yeah. Estonia. And then Estonia, Czech Republic, Denmark, all those guys are catching up with Finland and Sweden now. Mm -hmm. But then all the rest of Europe, like anything, anything south of there is pretty much not very existent. Okay. I hope I'm not offending any European country right now because I know in Germany, obviously, there's some disc golf tour and I know there's a lot of people putting a lot of hard work into growing the sport there. But um, it's not much further now than it was 15 years ago or 10 years ago when I still played there. It's still the same. If I would go to a tournament now, 15 years later, I would probably still meet Half of the field is probably still the same guys yeah. out there playing that are just like the roots of disc golf. The KJs, the Seppos, players like that. Yeah, I mean, that's okay. Europe-wide. But yeah. I mean, just in Germany, like people oh, okay. you wouldn't even have heard of. Yep. Like my idols at the time, like I, I can't shout out any names, but <laughs> gotcha. well, it's, so it's just random German names. <laughs> I feel like from my perspective, if I watch uh, a disc golf coverage, I 
feel like, and maybe this is just some of the differences, I feel like there's a more professional appearance to the players. And I'm talking even down to the awesome 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds. They, they just, it's all super professional. It looks like it to me. Um, is it treated more professionally by everybody over there? Even the, the casual players that are like, I want to be more, this is legitimate. Does it look that way to you? Or is that just something I'm picking up that's not there? Um, it definitely is. It's all, it's all about the way something is promoted and portrayed in, uh, online. Like nowadays online or back then. And how, how was it back then in newspapers and on TV, I guess? But uh, it's all about how it is online and how, how are, are the courses maintained and made and built? Who are the people that go to these courses? And I'm just going to... I have to stick with Finland as the prime example okay. because obviously they're killing it. I think 90% of all schools have their own disc golf course. Wow. It's, that's it's, sick. 90%. I mean, that's obviously thrown off the top of your head. Dude, I, I just guessed a number, but I so think cool, it's pretty though. close to every single school there has or wants their own disc golf course. Um, Finland is just... its The biggest difference is that when you go to a course in Finland, the people you'll see... And on the course there versus the people you see on any public course in the States, like any random public course, that's just the biggest difference, I think. In Finland, you'll see pretty much 90% kids. Yeah. 12 to 18 Maybe I'm thinking Finland. Yeah. (laughs) In full-on jerseys and athletic and trying to be professional disc golfers. And if I go to any public random course in the States... I mean, it's hard to compare Finland, which is like the size of Massachusetts, yeah. to the States, which is yeah. just so enormous. So if I go play a course in Texas or if I go play a course in Vermont, I'm going to have two very different experiences. But uh, it's the same country. So it's hard to generalize that. But in general, I'd say in, in Finland, you'll see much younger athletic people on disc golf courses than in the States. Yeah. I got to interrupt kind of quick because we have a couple super chats that yeah. came through. There's three of them. Um, Rocky McGuire wanted to know, and he's not listening now. He said he had to hop off, but Rocky wanted to know, how did you meet your now fiance? <laughs> if you would be so kind as to give us the story. That's a long, well, it can be as long you as can you make want. It, yeah, give, it, you give want. it like a quick minute version. It's of. worth it's worth to us $5 <laughs> super chat, which is awesome. But, no, yeah, that's awesome. But go Thank ahead. you for the super chat first off. And, and uh, I met her. You know, the thing is, when you're on the road, one of the most handy things recently invented (laughs) is dating apps. And I matched with Natalia on Tinder. (laughs) Just putting it out there. Here we go. It has such a connotation to it. Just over three years ago, when I was at the tournament here playing, um, what was it called back then? I forget. Uh, The Vibram Open. Vibram Open. The Vibram Open. That's old school. And uh, it probably was back in 2017. I think it was Vibram. I managed to uh, meet up with her and I was completely in love and stuck for the rest of my life, I guess. (laughs) That's so cool. Rocky, that's a quick little minute recap. Because Nick has that cookout or barbecue, whatever you call it, uh, during MVP, I got to meet your then girlfriend, but now fiance. Like, and I can just say she seems very sweet and like warm. I, I appreciated you bringing her by. I was like, this is cool. I get to meet Simon's girlfriend. Sweet. Thank you. <laughs> then, uh, and congratulations. Yeah. Was yeah. that was that something you've been planning for a while? Or was it kind of like, you know what? Now's the time. I'm just going to do it. I don't think I've ever planned anything really in the last 10 years. <laughs> Good for you. I'm just going with the flow. And uh, 
it, it was a, a crazy time. And obviously I was on tour with Colton back then, who was driving the Dismania RV. That was my last real tour in the motorhome, like Road Warrior style. Um, and we went to MVP Open. And the next week we were going to go to Nantucket. And of course, I was in contact with Natalia the whole time, texting. And then I made him drive back from Nantucket to Worcester so I could see Natalia again. And then we went to Vermont. Then Natalia visited me in Vermont and all that. So it it all happened pretty quick. It definitely yeah. wasn't planned or anything. But I'm definitely now super stoked that I have something to call like a home base and something that feels like home because that was my biggest struggle the first three years or four years on tour. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so second one. <laughs> I was going to say we'll, we keep we'll getting the super this. chat. Yeah, we'll just so blow listen, through these really quick. To those who are not watching live, we appreciate your patience with this. Uh, those who are watching live, this is your opportunity, obviously, to have it more highlighted. We see all, and if you make a great comment, we'll probably talk about it anyways. But yeah. the super chats, we are going to take some time to thank them. So Jeff out in New York says, "Please come play Heiser Creek." That's as short as we can leave it. Have you heard of Heiser Creek? No, where's that? Have you heard of it's, that? Yeah, I've I've played it before. Actually, it's in somewhat upstate New York. It's a really fun course. He's actually asked a couple times, but lots of hyzers. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So that's yeah. awesome. Thank you it's for that really super fun chat. Maybe soon. Also, let me let me bring it up because I know this individual, Wyatt Mahoney. He is yeah. a junior disc golfer. Shout out to Wyatt. Yes. It's past his bedtime, I'm pretty sure. No. <laughs> so Wyatt is an incredible disc golfer i don't care what age you say he's an incredible he's disc no, golfer. I, I know yeah. he's an absolute stud okay so you've heard of him he's i did 11 a putting contest old. with him just yeah, the other night we were hanging out during uh vacation land open and did he go over during main states when you guys were all there i know he didn't come over that oh, okay night. so vacation land yeah we had a putting night and i remember he banged like a 65 footer to get a point on all of us it was, it okay was sick. so here we go yeah. before we get back to our topics again thank you for the patience those who are not live but simon did you ever have a mentor when you were trying to get better so at some point, do you remember trying to get better? Uh, we asked Paul if you ever remember being bad, and Paul in that episode said no. no. <laughs> so, Simon, do you ever have a time where you were like, hey, I want to get better, and where did you go? I think you did some training even in Switzerland at some point. So, like, was there a time when you're like, I need to get better? And did you have a mentor? Um, and where, who, who was that? Um, mentor for my physical game, like the actual sure. throws of Frisbee. Sure. I don't think I've ever had one. Okay. I mean, I've had idols. I've had people that I tried to copy or looked up to. Um, at first, I had them locally in Germany, the best players in Germany, then the best players in Europe, because that's all I knew. And then eventually, like 2009, I think I saw Nate Doss, Avery Jenkins, and Felberg climb for the first time. Um, and then I was obviously like, damn, like those guys are the real deal. Those are the people like that's what I want to be like. So, but more importantly, I think, is the whole mental side of disc golf. Once you acquire the skill set of being able to throw far and be a decent putter and all that, it all comes down to who wants it the most and who is mentally there and ready to be on point. Because we all know we can throw the shots. It's just a matter of when and how do we pull them off when it's most important. And with that, I'd say Avery was probably the most influential guy for me because I probably spent more time with Avery than I have with probably most other players on tour. Maybe Eagle's getting close now because we hang out a lot and we practice a lot together. But uh, Avery taught me so much about disc golf. And obviously, he's a great teacher. He's been doing it for 25 plus years. And I think when it comes to just being ready, being on tour, living the life on the road and dealing with everything that 
comes with that. I think he's probably mentored me the most when it comes to that kind of stuff. But like as a form teacher, at least I don't remember. It's natural. Yeah. yeah. And you grew up with it. And I think that's the same thing my kids are hopefully going to be able to do. Not not necessarily be top three, but they're going to feel the natural ability. Um, Simon. Oh, what's a DKK? So I think that's Denmark, Denmark dollars. That's yeah. sick. Okay. So I don't know Crowns, what that's worth. Crowns. We Crowns. don't know what that's worth. So to us, gotcha. maybe it's two grand. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So Two million. Two million. <laughs> We're rich now. We can quit our jobs. Simon, have you Please. ever played in Denmark? Just playing in short, simple street. Yes, I've played a couple times in Denmark. They actually had a major... I think the last big tournament they had in Denmark was a major that Devin Owens almost won, but Paul McBeth outputted yes, him on the last the hole. the Copenhagen Open. Copenhagen Open was a major. I think it was yeah. 2012 or 13. I think 13. 13. It was when Paul had awful hair. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's the last time I think I played in Denmark. But besides that, I've played the Cockadal Open, which uh, was a Euro Tour back in the day. Um I know Denmark is up and coming, and I know they have some sweet courses. And obviously, with KJ Naibo, you have one of the best players ever in Europe. And uh, I can't wait to be back in Denmark. I love the food and the scene. Okay, so I, if if I have it right, that's a couple dollars, I think, U.S. dollars. So thank you very much for that. And then um, just shout out to Nick Thomas. Thanks for the super chat. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So again, for those who are listening post, we appreciate it. For those who are listening live, or, shout out, shout out to the four hundred plus people listening live. Right yes, now. or four hundred and one, four hundred and one. Yeah. We're going, we're creeping up. Nice. So um, again, if you're watching post and you want to be a part of the two thousand subscriber giveaway, the requirements at this point because we had to open it back up to everybody, but it's still the two thousand subscriber giveaway. Like the video, that's simple. But then comment with your favorite episode out of our first twenty here, um, and we'll pick a winner to receive the bag and some discs. All right. Back to a few more questions before we get to judge that disc golfer and some other things. So I've got a question. Um, You've played disc golf courses all over the world. We just talked about some. You've seen the good and the bad. I'm sure there's some courses you walk away just being like. And the ugly. And the ugly. Uh, Does that inspire you? And do you have aspirations to ever be like a course? I don't want to say a course designer, but do you have aspirations to design courses? Uh, Is that something that, that is a creative draw for you? Definitely, yes. I've obviously been around UC a lot, who's designed, gosh, I, I, I can't throw out the number right now, but I think over 50 courses in Finland, which if you think about that, 50 doesn't seem like a huge amount, but it, to design 50 courses is an insane amount. Dude, the courses he courses. designs too are like insane. Yeah, it might be more, it might be a couple less, I'm not sure, but I think it's definitely over 50. Um, So... I've been close with UC for a long time. Avery, obviously, working with Disc Golf Park now. UC being the Disc Golf Park and Discmania guy, obviously, it's like that close. And when I retire being a pro disc golfer, obviously, it's kind of like a logical step to maybe go over there. And a lot of the times when I see a course, I instantly think, man, I could have designed a better course out here just because I've played so many courses and I think my imagination would be good and different shots that I can see more easily because I've been around so long and I've seen thousands of courses. Um, but I think then when you give me like a piece of land and property and be like, here, Simon, design an 18-hole course, you have a week. Mm-hmm. I'm would. i I'm not sure how good I would actually be when I get put on the spot. But it's definitely something I've I've thought about and definitely something I can see myself going into. Sooner than later, nice. probably. And you designed one here in Massachusetts recently, right? Or you're in the process of potentially designing one? Yeah, Disc Golf Park got a gig 
Um, I can't spoil too much where it is and what it is, but mm. Avery flew out and uh, he was like the main designer, of course. Mm. We walked the property a bunch of times. We, I kind of like was just there kind of observing what Avery was doing, but we kind of like, it'll, it'll be like a co-design. Like I was there and we'd like talked it through together. Um, hopefully more projects like that can come in the future. Just... I, can, I, we need more courses in Massachusetts. Especially can I like ask in the why? Can no I, doubt. Can I ask why this? And, and just for the sake, I'm curious. Why? Why is that course secretive right now? Is that just the process of designing a course and just not? Is it private property? Like, is there I a reason why? I have no clue. Okay. But whenever something is about to be announced, everyone wants to not talk about it before it is announced. Got it. That's. I'm just curious. I yeah, never understand cool. why stuff has to be secret. I never agree with that. <laughs> I know it's Simon so hard just, sometimes not being in the know. Like. Yeah. You know, recently Discraft had the, you know, big thing with the Mandalorian, the the child. Oh, right, right, right. And so they were like, they had done this post and it was like someone uh, more with famous. more more power than Paul, more accurate than Paige, and more famous oh, than Brody. Yeah. And dude, there were so many hateful comments. How did I Discraft miss this? Did, where, uh, no, I didn't miss the the announcement. Did they announce who it was? Yeah. Well, so it was Baby Yoda. It, it's not really. It's the child. It's oh, not actually Baby Yoda. But how it's did a I Yoda miss species. this? Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, but the funny thing was is that if you go down in the comments, so many people were like, "Oh man, Discraft's all about the money. They're just sponsoring famous people now. Like they don't give a crap about their pro players." And then all of a sudden, it was literally just a stamp on a disc, and everyone was kind of just like, <laughs> "Okay." People say the craziest was, stuff online. People were so saying funny. Ben Askren. A lot oh, yeah. of people were saying Ben well, so Askren. It I made sense. I had, te- I had texted Paul. You're like, and come I was on. like, dude, can you please tell me? He's like, no. And I was like, <laughs> dude, come on. So literally, it's the uh, whatever day it came out. I forget now. Maybe the 18th or something like that. I'm like sitting there texting him. I'm like, dude, they still haven't announced it. Like, tell me what it is. And then he just <laughs> sent me a, or uh, Jeff Corns had actually sent me a GIF, one of yeah. the funny GIFs. And it was. <sighs> of the child and i just started dying laughing that's but pretty funny anyways. so um what i'm gonna do for these super chats we'll wait a little bit here i will try not yeah. to forget nick remind me if we do yeah, yeah. um so here's well, it's from nick so okay i got you um and then so here's here's maybe rounding out these questions a little bit i know in years past and and i don't know you beyond really the disc golf course and these social meetings where we're it's it's weird because i talk to you a lot like in this format but not like outside of this format I would love to change that at some point just because it feels like formal and professional and we're Mm -hmm. still friends, but anybody running a podcast knows it's not like exactly the same. We're trying. Yeah. My, My question is I've noticed, and this was as a fan in years past, it seems like towards the end of the season, I think this is true for most professionals, but towards the end of the season, it seems that you start to drag and you're kind of like, is this fun? That's my perspective. That's That was my perspective. And then you're kind of like, when will this season kind of end? Yada, yada. And then it, it seems like the season ends and then you get real energized again for the next year. How's this year going? I know you have an elbow thing, but how's this year going? Like, where are you at mentally with the competition? Oh, I mean, this year is hard to compare, obviously, to any other year that's ever happened in our lifetime. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, I felt a little burnt out, honestly, the last couple of weeks, just because I played seven tournaments in the last eight weeks. And that was with moving in between and a lot of other stuff going on behind the scenes with running the YouTube channel at the same time. And I was just like, why am I out here right now trying to compete? And I mentally just had so many different locations and have so many other things on my mind than playing disc golf well right now. So I was... 
I think at the main state championships, I was at a point where it was beautiful weather. We played mm-hmm. a beautiful course, Pineland Farms. Yep. I was playing with my friends, just a fun A tier, which shouldn't even be that serious for me because not there's not a bunch of cameras there or media or galleries because obviously Maine is very strict, which mm-hmm. is a good thing with the COVID rules. Um, and I was just like not enjoying it. And I was like, how, why am I not enjoying this right now? Everything is perfect. Like, come on. Am I that burnt out right now from a couple rounds of disc golf? But, uh, yeah, you just, sometimes you just got to fight through it and like put it in perspective and be like, man, some people go to the office every day, nine to five and don't really get a break off of life ever. And I'm out here chilling in a beautiful park, hanging out with my friends, throwing discs around, which is like my favorite thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just so easy to complain sometimes. But all in all, this year obviously has been much different than any other year. With that home base that I've had for just over two years now, that's been super helpful with. The motorhome life is really something that not everyone can do. Yeah. I could do it for three years. That was like my limit. Um, Some of these disc golfers like... I know Paige and Nate. The van lives. The van livers are. Yeah, I they can't wait love to get. It. I can't wait to get someone with a van, like they, who does it consistently. Yeah. I can't wait to get them on the show and talk about that because that's gonna be. Cool. <laughs> Actually, people do like to know about that stuff. Yeah. But uh, they love it so much. Like they could go all year, every year, in their van and just be the happiest. Yeah. People and they have. they make the best of it. Yeah. You know they go like especially when we're in Vermont. Dude, they're going all over to just different mountains, different like uh hot springs and everything like that but then you get people who are straight up just like living out of their car it's so so can i ask then are you going to be auctioning off your bag or like (laughs) anything along those lines like this year or is like what what what? happens what takes place for that to happen (laughs) it's just sometimes i'm so fed up with my bag that I'm like, I don't want to see these discs ever again. And I know that I could make someone really happy with this bag. much happier than I am right now. So it's kind of like a win-win situation, just giving it away. And the last time I gave my bag away, last year in Colorado, um, what's the chef's name? Zimmer. 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 Andrew yeah. Zimmern. Andrew Zimmern, yeah. He ended up buying my bag for like $1,200, and that all went to kids' disc golf. So that was like a win-win-win situation. Um, um, right. Can I now, tell you just from kids' disc golf perspective, that was really yeah. two twofold. Obviously, tremendously helpful to us. People don't realize what it costs to actually make the support. And anyways, and Andrew Zimmern, it was kind of interesting. Like we get an email directly from him, like, "Hey, it's Andrew Zimmern. Like, where do we send the check?" It's cool when like a celebrity <laughs> talks to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, for us, it's like Simon, the bag, the yeah. whole thing was very cool. So it's not happening this year, though. Um, you don't know I, it's yet. It's very <laughs> unlikely at this point. Actually, Avery is a guy. If you don't know who Avery Jenkins is, obviously you should. Everyone should know who Avery Jenkins is in disc golf. But he has one of the most impressive disc collections, I think, on the planet. And he has been a good supply for me, for example, for first run PDs and first run PD2s or anything like older run MD3s, like all these discs that you can't get anywhere. And he'll like give me like a handful of them every now and then when we meet up. And when he then sees online that I gave my bag away, he like he's so angry and like I'm never gonna give you a good disc <laughs> yeah. of mine ever again. And uh, that kind of made me question if it's really a good idea. If someone like gives you 
obviously none of my discs. None, none I don't know bags. why that's so funny to me. It's also different for me because none of the discs in my bag I paid for. Like I get them sponsored, or I a lot of them people send me discs nowadays. Wait, you don't you don't buy you, yeah, you, don't, you don't buy, buy your own discs, dude. <laughs> I've never bought a disc. You guys know that. That's so, so cool. Um, no, a lot of people send me discs. Like, hey, I made a cool die. Can I send you this disc, please? Yeah. So, and I'm like, sure, of course. If I like it, I might put it in my bag, whatever. Mm-hmm. So my disc is mainly full of gifts. And that's like at a point now I can't give my yeah. bag away because it was just, yeah. it's just full of discs I got from like <sighs> friends or just fans that wanted me to have a cool disc. So I don't think it'll happen this year, but who knows? Yeah. Maybe I play that- so bad at the USDGC that I'm like, screw this. As Here long as you go. never give away the Ana disc. That's my that's my favorite one. Ha, so, the Ana. So I'm thinking last question, probably realistic, unless yeah. something just comes up as part of this. Like just for fun, and I do a lot of virtual training for my work now because of COVID. So I do a lot of virtual and I do a lot of what's called body polling. Like use your fingers, scale one to ten, and give us how many fingers it is that you something. Rate your rate something. I want you to rate your current state of your disc golf career. Okay. So one through ten, um, with one being not close to where you want it to be, 10 being best you can imagine, how would how would you rate your disc golf career and where you want it to be? What plans, maybe goals, dreams, other things? Like, where are you at in that? One through 10, what would your number be? And then maybe elaborate. Wow, that is... I might give the lamest answer possible. Like a seven? <laughs> is that what everyone would say, basically? That's safe. No. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I think... Where would you rate Simon, Nick? No, no, no. What I, number would I you thought, oh, I, I was saying it more as in, like, if I was rating myself. Oh. Like, no, I wouldn't... I don't think... A seven, I think, is a very decent answer that you're giving yourself. Like, you're okay with where you're at. There's obviously room to improve and everything like that. How but... would you take it from a seven to an eight and a nine and a ten? Do you have dreams and goals? Yeah, of course. A lot of people... Man... My my view about this myself goes back and forth a lot of the time. And sometimes I wake up thinking it like this. Sometimes I wake up completely changing my mind about it. And that is with my tournament performances and who I want to be out on the course. And if I want to be a great player that gets remembered as like a champion at some point, or if I want to be remembered as the good player that had all the talent in the world and was likable and had a good YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Those are two very different things and very hard to pull off both of them. And I feel like sometimes I feel like I've tried to be good. I've done the working out. I've done the more disciplined way for a couple of tournaments in a row where I was like, I'm not going to do anything, but I'm going to focus on this tournament. And I just never felt like that made me happy. Like I remember one of the best examples for this is the European Championships the last one I won in 2018, that was the last one that actually happened. So I'm the current European champion. And I went to that tournament with nothing in mind, but I need to win this tournament and I'm going to win this tournament. And I didn't go out with friends that whole week, even though I saw all my European buddies for the first time in a year. And I just was, when I was playing the practice round, I was just so focused on having a good game plan and just going step by step to make sure that I win this tournament. And I won the tournament, and at the end of it, I was like, it didn't feel like a reward for the hard work that I won. It just felt like I wasn't being myself. I wasn't having fun. I was kind of just like acting like this guy I didn't want to be to win a tournament. And I was like, oh, sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know what what's better. Like, 
if I have a great week out at a tournament and I finish in eighth, or if I have a kind of lame week and I win, like what is better if I look back at my life, these amazing weeks on tour, having a great time, being good enough. Can you say good enough if you finish in eighth? I don't know. It's it's a fine line between good enough, good, and great. Um, or is it better to win tournaments, make more money, um, might make the sponsors happy, but uh, but at the end of the day, you didn't enjoy it. You didn't feel like this was a good week of my life. Like I mm-hmm. loved living my life at that point. So it's a balance that I go back and forth myself with. Uh, should I try? Should I try again? Should I go out there? Should I work out more? Should I have less fun out after rounds, or should I be less? the guy that is out there to have fun should I be more the guy that tries to win every tournament and I'm not sure right now I'm definitely know that at this offseason I'm going to take very seriously of course also because of my elbow that's been bothering me now for freaking months and months I haven't thrown a real sidearm since April yeah basically. exactly can I can I interrupt though because I, I want to kind of possibly lead that question just a little bit because maybe I didn't say it the right way or maybe you're just thinking down the road that you're used to getting asked i really am thinking that for you what is it to take it to an eight and nine and a ten i don't necessarily mean like um yeah like i'm not saying hey can you get better can you win like worlds can you all these things i'm saying like for you do do you have do you have goals and dreams that you're like for me that would be a nine or that would be a ten like for you and i think that's important that you don't just do it you know, maybe the mold is. Maybe that's not you. Yeah. And that was to your point. I that's what I heard. So what for you would be an damn that's eight a, or nine or a ten? That's such a good question because get a million um, followers? Like what's you know, I mean like Yeah, when I went to Switzerland, a lot of the time was also mental coaching. And I think if you ever talk to a professional athlete or to a professional coach or mental trainer, then one thing that is very important in life is having goals and setting goals, sometimes setting them really high. And having like baby steps on the way there, like smaller goals you hit. It's important to have smaller goals to hit on the way to your end goal or your, like your big goals. Um, for example, your goal for next year could be to win one Pro Tour. That would be a big goal. If you set that goal, that would be like a huge goal for you. Oh, yeah. And baby steps would, for example, being winning a C tier or two C tiers or a B tier on the way there. Yep. Um, stuff like that is that I notice that I don't have goals. Like if I think about my goals, my goals is to be happy, to have fun, to be healthy, to not disappoint anyone around me or make anyone's life worse. Those are my goals. Those are like very broad goals. Yeah, very generic ones, which I mean. But if you would ask me like, what's your goal in this tournament? I was like, to not get injured and to finish. Is it, and it sounds cliche to say this, but the same thing I tell my kids perform the best that you can like yeah take every shot the best that you can but so you're saying you're a seven with those goals that you just listed mm-hmm. like to be a good per all that stuff so it's just, just well like, right what's, now what's I'm the injured. eight and the nine right like, now that i'm injured i've been playing a lot worse than i would like to okay i don't want to blame just the injury for that it's also um my mental game is not quite there where i want it to be i want to be a bit more focused out there i want to be a bit more passionate out there and I've been talking about this on my Patreon a bit about my mental state. Um kind of like a self-therapy kind of sessions <laughs> on there. Um it's this fine line between good composure on the course and not caring about your results. 
And if I miss a 20 footer, what goes on inside me, and if I can compose that well, or if nothing goes on inside me and I don't care, which one is very good and one is almost very bad. If you don't care about your results, um, I remember one message at the USDGC that I sent to UC, this is like, like three years ago now or something, that I texted him during the round and I said, I'm getting birdies and I'm getting bogeys and I don't feel a difference. That was like the lowest of my burnouts. And I'm like, if you don't feel a difference between a birdie and a bogey in your happiness, that's a real problem. So yeah, I don't know. I definitely want to feel the passion coming back to competing because of course I still love competing. Of course I still want to play my best. Um, I've always known that winning wasn't a driving factor for me. Like if I play well and I finish in fifth, perfectly fine with me. Um, I think if Paul plays well and finishes in fifth, he feels like he it's, had yeah, a terrible that, week. That was an awful week for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Nick takes the brunt of it when he comes home. <laughs> I get, no, thrown, I get you thrown actually, in the doghouse. You had him over your house, obviously, for MVP, yeah. and um, he won. So yeah. he wasn't upset. So I think that's a good answer. Yeah. So it's I, developing. Think, I think it's a great answer. I, I just want to be a bit happier, a bit happier out there. I mean, obviously, I still always am able to project that I'm happy, but it's mm-hmm. not always the full truth inside of me. So I just want to feel more happiness and I want to feel a bit more competitive drive. And obviously, physically, I need to feel a lot better than I do right now. Yeah. And we all know it. you have the skills to match with any disc golfer out there. Like you can yeah. do everything that ever you've won <laughs> events, like you've won pro yeah. tour events. You've done it all. Hopefully after this elbow injury, kind of like but runs its course and you get back out there. I don't know. Maybe that competitive says, nature really. He says he would like to win, but that's yeah. not like his driving thing. Yeah, exactly. That's what I heard. Yeah, so. I mean, I remember back in the day when I was like, I was younger. I was winning every tournament in Germany that I played, basically. I think I played like 10 tournaments a year in Germany and won either 10 or 9 of them. I think in, in three or four years on the German tour, I didn't win two tournaments and the rest I all won. And the, those two, I finished second. Um, so I was like winning basically every tournament I played and I got super used to winning. I was super used to being the guy to beat in Europe. Um, I won a handful of European tour tournaments. And then once I came to the US, that all changed because suddenly I was not the guy to beat and I wasn't the best player. In Germany, I would win every tournament by 10 to 20 strokes. Yeah. And then kind of like what you do in Massachusetts to us at C tiers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I beat Casey on the last hole with yeah. a push putt. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was fun. But no, the US obviously is so different because there's not one of me. Because in Germany there was always one of me. In Europe there was like two or three of me. And here was like twenty to thirty of me, just like kids that are just have been playing forever, are just so good. And want it much more than I did. Because I always had this mentality was like, whatever happens, happens. I just want to play well. Mm-hmm. And where I end up on the leaderboard is not doesn't really matter. I mean, winning is obviously a bonus because I'm going to go off track a bit again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but uh, Don't apologize. In, in, in professional sports, sports, oh my God, my language. In professional sports... You got if you want to be a champion and the best, you got to do it for yourself. And if you don't do it for yourself, that is going to be really hard to do for someone else. And I always felt like me winning, I felt like I liked it because it made my sponsors and fans happy, mm-hmm. not because it made me happy. And I think that's one reason is why. I fall off sometimes is because I don't try to win because I love it and I feel like I need it. It's because sometimes I feel like I go out there and 
if I win, then it's just a bonus because my sponsor is going to be really happy. Yeah. So, yeah, those are just the things I think about. And I already forgot what the question was. No, that was just insight. Uh, Yeah, that was basically... Right on, right on the money with it. Sweet. So you're, you're doing you can't forget Simon. the super chat. No, this is yeah, one more trend. This is one more transition point. Then, this is actually more of a uh, Simon question than a Nick and Matt question. Yeah. So, so uh, Nick Thomas said, "Sky God three period. We are we getting another run? And what do you think of scalping of discs? So that's a whole topic we've kind of talked about before, but in general, so like when a disc goes for sales, what he's saying, someone buys it out and sells it for like a hundred dollars right away. Like, what do you think about that? How does that affect you or the market? Well, first to his question, that the last thing I heard from UC is what is was that yes, there is going to be another run. Um, I don't know when and I don't know how many, but that's what I've heard. And scalping is what it's called. Scalping. 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 It's the idea it's, of it's taking flip, something cheap and flipping. flipping. Yeah, it's pretty much flipping a disc. So I buy one of your Sky God twos for twenty bucks online. You get a majority, you know, whatever is your deal, and then I take that disc because only a thousand of them were made. I sell it online for a hundred a week later and I sell it for like 50 <laughs> or 60 bucks. Exactly. So like, how do you feel? Do you feel like that should happen a lot? Should a disc manufacturer start creating more of that certain disc so that doesn't happen or that's a very large topic. Yes. Just, do you have yeah. any feelings on it in general? It's it's, there's just this thing in disc golf with the business side of it that mostly I don't really understand. I'm I'm like so far from a businessman. I know Paul is much better, for example, at business than I will ever be. And Paul is actually very business orientated as well. But UC is probably the most hardcore businessman in the sport mm-hmm. of disc golf. And there's so much more that goes into a release of signature discs than people realize. The amount of work and the amount of time that goes into making a run of discs, if it's a Sky God or Doombird or Cloudbreaker or... Or Nate Perkins, FD, Night Strike 3. It's like there's just so much more that goes on behind the scenes and people don't know. And the reason why we... I I didn't understand this for the longest time is why don't we just always have Sky Gods in stock? Mm -hmm. Like it never made sense to me. Like why don't we just have 20,000 Sky Gods and they will sell within the next, I don't know, year or two years, however... I don't know. The numbers this year with sales have been absolutely insane. Like something... Discmania and probably a lot of the disc companies have not experienced ever. And sitting on stock in disc golf sucks because you constantly lose money. Like Discmania buys the discs from Innova or now also from Latitude. Mm-hmm. But if they buy 5,000 discs and only sell 2,000, that's 3,000 discs they paid for that are just sitting in the warehouse taking up room and not making any money, actually yeah. losing money. They lose money, yeah. So trying to figure out the exact number that people can buy these signature runs um, and everyone's going to be happy and they're still like hot. You, it's still something you like, want to yep. get. It's not just, like, oh, I'll get it tomorrow or something. It's still something exciting. But you don't want to run out in a minute. You don't want to run out in 10 minutes, but you want to run out in like an hour or two hours to mm-hmm. be perfect. And to hit that sweet spot, it's just... This year was complete gambling. You got to go off releases from last year, for example. Um, I, I can't throw out like the actual numbers, of course, but uh, let's say we made this amount of Doombirds last year, but we only sold half of them on the first day. That was my last release. And then my next release this year was the Sky God. Like, how many Sky Gods do we make now? My, my popularity went up because of my YouTube channel. Yep. 
But uh, based on my last release, like just it just felt like a complete gamble, and we had no idea how to how many sky gods to make. And just for that example, of course, Eagles discs the same way. Like yep. I know we made more Cloudbreaker twos than like way more Cloudbreaker twos than Cloudbreaker ones, and still they were just gone in an instant. Yeah. Um, I think Night, uh, the Night Strike Three just now had actually a very good first release because they limited one per person. Oh, that's awesome! Which was a Discmania first, and they yeah. tried that for, and they I that's think they sold crazy. out in exactly like one hour ish. That's awesome! So uh, good for Discmania for doing that. Yeah. Well, Nick, that's your that's your opinion. That's on my opinion on it because yeah. I, I I don't know what I think. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm willing to hear all opinions, but that it's yeah. interesting. I kind of feel like the manufacturer they're in it to just make their dollar back or whatever. They're yeah. not going to scalp it. They're not going to sell a hundred dollars a disc. And so they can't control the market. You could say, well, they can, if they created more discs, people wouldn't do that. But to Simon's point, and I don't need to reiterate it. How do you know you make that many more discs? It's going to sell. You, can, you have yeah. to base it on previous yeah. years. And then you have more people coming to the sport and you're basing it off of pre it's, it's yeah. just, it's, is what it is. That's where I'm at with it. Yeah. And, and when it comes to the scalping thing, it's like, you can't avoid it. You like can't avoid it. No matter what, gonna it's gonna, especially nowadays when scalping, I would say over the last couple of years, has blown up. You know why they're scalping? It's because people buy it. Yeah. Exactly. So if you want it to stop, stop buying it. Yeah. <laughs> Which they won't. It just so, it will not happen. I, I will say this, Disc golf is getting now. It just won't yeah. happen, especially with the companies coming out with these incredible discs. Like, you it know, the Night Strike and, yeah. you know, the Get Freakies were huge and the Big Z Lunas, stuff like that. It, when you so, have a limited run, especially now, especially when your favorite pro is throwing that limited run, it's going to sell out. But and to Simon's point, and we can end on that, if you don't okay. buy it, now there's always going to be people to buy it. But if you don't buy it, then those people are going to be stuck with all those discs. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, but a disc is always exactly worth as much as people pay for it. That's what value is. That is just the reality. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Simon, you're ready to judge a disc golfer? Well, yes and no. Oh, uh, one, more, one, one more yeah, break. Tony. Super chat. The, it, we don't need to elaborate long on this, but we do thank him very much for his super chat. Tony Joseph said, Simon, you said you hurt your elbow back in April. I think that's pretty public knowledge. I think that's about time you made your video when you're comparing your forehand to Eagle. Did you injure yourself trying to copy Eagle? <laughs> I guess short and sweet. What would you say? Wow. Thanks, Tony, for the $10. Yeah. And <laughs> no. I was definitely hurt way before that. I actually hurt myself in the off-season originally when I was just playing with Casey um, in the winter. And I was just throwing so many shots, filming so many videos, even before the lockdown in Massachusetts, that uh, I felt it like creep up like slightly. It was never as bad as it, as it is now. And I was still throwing sidearms uh, in Vegas and at the Memorial. I definitely felt it, but it didn't feel bad enough to completely avoid it. Um, then when the lockdown first started and I took like a two week break, it completely went away and I thought I was healed and time was just the solution at that point. Um, then the video that brought it back was my, the freaking table skip video. That was actually one of the worst videos, I think. (laughs) No, but it's entertaining. It was. It's entertaining. It was a fun video to it was actually super frustrating because it took me so many tries <laughs> to skip that stupid disc into the basket. <laughs> um, but I threw so many shots, and then I felt my elbow the next morning. I was like, damn, I threw probably like 200 shots in 30 minutes, and my elbow was just like falling off. 
and then it just stayed and i i just kept going through video after video after video and i was like i can't stop i like have to still play and i have to still throw and just stop throwing sidearms because backhand still felt okay um but to this day i haven't thrown a sidearm again because every time i even throw like a tiny little pitch up sidearm throw it hurts like so badly that i feel it for like five minutes after that shot um sometimes i feel it on the backhand like the more hyzer i put on a disc the more i feel it it's probably really stupid of me to even play tournaments right now but uh, anyway, hopefully once the Pro Tour yeah. Finals is over, I'm driving home and I'm going to see all the doctors needed to uh, fix me or at least give me a proper mm-hmm. uh, diagnosis. Di- thank you. Diagnosis. And uh, then work every, I do everything I can do to fix it for next year. Because if you try to keep up with the top guys without a sidearm, you pretty much got to be James Conrad or you have no chance. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Awesome shout-out to it, James Conrad. Yeah. Is there another pro player who's kind of like that? They're just very non-forehand dominant? King Clino. Yeah, uh, there's quite... There's actually quite uh, a Yeah, few. let's say nowadays. Felberg. So. Felberg, yeah. I don't nowadays, know. who else? I don't see Garrett Kale? Gerthy do it a lot. Oh, Garrett Gerthy and Kale. Those are two... Yeah, those are great answers. Kale has a decent... No, I'm no, sure no, they no. are. If Garrett you're a top pro, decent. you should be able to at least execute something. Oh, Stevie Brinster. He very rarely... Brinster, of course. Yeah, All right. Can you believe it, Nick? I don't know if you saw the numbers. In YouTube, they're shouting right now 496 viewers. However, between our cross platforms, we've reached over 500 tonight. Simon, we've blown away. We've almost, we're going to, there's a chance we double our highest episode ever, which was last week with Big Germ. So we're getting there. It is insane. That would actually be insane. This is insane. Applause to everyone watching and the guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we really appreciate it. This is, Okay, it's live. Those watching later are like, hey, I want to be part of the show. Well, join us on Thursday nights, Thursday nights 7, o'clock. 7 o'clock. All right, here Eastern. we go. Standard I don't think there's anything else to wrap up with questions right now. We're going to jump in to judge that disc golfer. Simon, you were, we ran this the first episode ever, so you were part of the very yeah. first ever. Him and, him and Terry. I want to get judged one day, I'm just saying. We'll surprise we'll Nick. Judge that disc golfer. All right, so here we go with judge that disc golfer. Judge That Disc Golfer, the game show where you judge a disc golfer you've never met. All right. Hey, my name's Matt, and uh, what's your name? Tracy. Hi, Tracy. Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Tonight, we've got a special guest on named Simon Lazat. Have you ever heard of him? Mm, I think I threw a hole with him once warming up for a tournament. He threw really far. Okay. Like three times further than my own drive. Maybe okay. four. Not everybody gets that chance. So you have in person how far he can throw. That's awesome. I've so seen it. let's get to know you a little bit. Do you have a PDGA number? I do. Okay, what is that? One, two, three, three, eight, one. Okay. And do you have a PDGA rating? I do. Do you want to tell us what it is? It's eight twenty eight. Okay, eight twenty eight. Is this your first time to Maple Hill? Yeah. Okay. And what courses have you played here? Well, in the span of two rounds today i have played diamonds blues and whites okay (laughs) and have you ever competed before i have okay that's why i have a rating that's true what's (laughs) your you got me (laughs) judge the host (laughs) all right um let's go ahead and get right into it our first question today is how far can you throw a disc forehand or backhand your preference for your furthest throw Mm. Okay, so so I've actually met her. I've definitely really, met her. Yeah, she's really cool. I actually, she asked me if I had any uh, Big Z Thrashers, 
which I do, and I meant to give it to uh, this mutual friend that we have. But she said she's competing in the AMP side event, right? I think she commented yes. that. In fact, she just commented she's on her way down to the AMP side. Yeah. I actually played this round with her, and I was like, you know what? The people want a female disc golfer. Yeah. Here we go. So this is the first ever. Um, we asked her how far to throw a disc. She's totally game for this. Nice. Um, really quick. We hit over 500. Uh, well, on YouTube. On YouTube. Oh, my goodness. It just bumped up almost 50. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> this is getting crazy. This is getting crazy. Judge the disc golfer. So this segment, you know how to play it. So we're going to make Nick go first, as we always do. Nick, what does she answer? 285. No. Yeah, 285. 285. Simon, you are up. Oh, she said she's played a hole with me, which gives me the... The ultimate advantage. And, and you did you get? It, did you, you hear what she said? Four times further. She says three times further than me. Well, actually, maybe four. So now, like, I, I don't know if that that's, helps. That's so insane. I probably threw it a thousand feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that means divided by four would be two fifty. Hey, good math. That's my answer. Two fifty. Two fifty to two eighty-five. All right. Let's see what she says. Here we go. Okay. I think my furthest throw is just slightly under three hundred. I'm gonna say two eighty. <gasps> two. 80. If you Unless get... it's downhill. Okay. But on flat ground, 280. Okay, everybody. So Nick, Nick gets the point there. Um, I've lost my cameras here. <laughs> okay, so Nick just took out Simon Lazat by just getting the over. You weren't oh, far off. Yeah. Close guess. But Nick, that's two weeks in a row. That was a great, uh, yeah, I, I'm, great judgment there, I'm Nick. I'm pretty sure I'm like, I think last week I was five feet off, and this week I was five. No, feet ten off. feet off I last was week. Ten five. feet off last week. Two weeks. You're fifteen feet. That yeah. sounds like a Simon oh, Lazat episode uh, segment where you had to guess your distances and throw. I don't away. even know why I said two eighty five though. I mean, two eighty would have been such a better answer. Two ninety, but all right, I got it. It's all Here good. we go. Question. No, that's Nick with a point. Can it be two weeks in a row? Can he do it? I don't know. All right, here we go. Someone just wrote, Nick is making a late season comeback. (laughs) (laughs) We only have another 20 shows to go. Okay, here we go. Question number two for Tracy. All right, Tracy, what is your favorite hole at Maple Hill? Okay, that's very simple, short and sweet. However, there are four layouts at Maple Hill. But just the number. Luckily, he actually knows the layout, so that's pretty sweet. Yeah, so just the number hole. That's all you need. So Simon's going to guess. Did you ask her what layout by any chance? No, I'm going to... No. Do you know it by any chance? I do know because I asked her. Damn. I can't tell you, though. Um, Actually, slightly. you want me to make it a little yeah, more fair? Is right. she going to say diamonds? She did not say diamonds. Although I will say this is also it doubles as a diamonds hole. It's blue layout. Okay. Wait, it's blue layout? The blue layout. It's also... Oh, now I'm giving you insight yeah, with that. Yeah, that was a little too that, much. Oh, that was way too oh, much yes, tips there. your roll. <laughs> that, that, uh... Narrows it down to about what five, six holes? If that. I think so. All right. You're up first. So whenever <laughs> whatever you think. He's like, I need some time. Only two holes sticking it could be hole one. It could be hole eight. Those are like the two favorites ever. Hole eight blues is just not that cool. It's cool, but not that cool. Hole one. I'm gonna go hole one. All right, Nick, you're up. I'm trying to think of the other holes that double as a blue one, but I feel like hole eight is a fun hole. Like I actually love playing hole eight blues. I love it too, but as a favorite hole, I don't know. See, I think that would be a more favorite hole than hole one would, at least for the FPO. I'm going right. to go hole eight. Okay, so old the old rules used to say whoever's closest. The new rules say that you have to re-guess. Neither of you got it right, so Simon, you're back up. Oh boy, here we go. 18? No, that's not blue. Nope, that one, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm going through all the holes in my brain. 
Hole four. I'm in hole four. All right, three. Nick. You're, no, re-guess again. It's not um, one. It's not eight. It's not three. It's not four. Hole nine. That's my favorite. That's... <laughs> Wait, what, what hole do That's they play? That's not blue and diamond. Oh, shit. <laughs> what do they do for diamonds on nine, actually? They play gold. Oh, yeah, okay. they play gold. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Ten's not. All right. Oh, I lose my Wait, guess. So you, yeah. This is getting boring. Go ahead. Yes, he does. Go ahead, Nick. Okay, I'm trying to think of a hole. Uh, 11, 12, uh, 14. Ding, ding, ding. We've got 14, <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and let her answer that. Here we go. I'm going to say Thank 14 you, from the blue tees. That All is right. a great hole. I have to agree with her. Great hole. It is. I just lost uh, a disc in there yesterday. Was able to fish one out too. Okay, here we go. Uh, that's another point for Nick. So it's two to zero. But there are five questions tonight, Nick. So he can make a comeback. All right, here we go. Question number three. How many discs are in your bag? <laughs> I'm going to go count right okay, now. Okay, go ahead and count them. All right, we've brought back some oldies. I feel like, Simon, you were a part yeah. of these questions in the beginning. So how many discs are in her bag? Um, is this a Nick answer yeah yes. i think it is uh all right he's thanking 18. everybody <laughs> 18. 18 simon you're is gonna there have to one more under. question after this one there's, there's five more. so there's two yeah, more two after more. this one okay so i have to win this one for even have a chance on winning over or under nick it's got to be under you could tie but it's got to be under i feel like i don't remember what her bag looked like but i feel like it has to be under so i'm gonna go 15 but see, she's practicing for a tournament, so she's bringing out extra discs to figure out which one. Especially at Maple best. Hill, you walk away with like three less and discs. You could oh, that's around. a good point. If Are either after... of you changing your your guess? No, okay. eighteen and what'd you say? 15? Fifteen. All right, here we go. Let's see how this plays out. Yeah, she might have lost three. So after going back and counting, I am bagging twenty discs currently. Oh my god, I'm so bad discs. at this. So right listen, now. awesome. Listen. That's because I didn't know Maple, and I wanted to throw a few extras in there to lose in the water. So how many do you usually bag? About probably about fifteen. Oh, <laughs> oh, the one wow. day, the one day. No, she totally did the right thing though, and I just didn't account for that. Nick had the insight, but it was kind of after you answered. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of yeah, but it was more like I almost thought he was going to get it correct now because <laughs> she could have lost one. Oh, or true two, or three. True, that's this why was I was after like, her practice 18, round. That's a lot, and then. Holes one, 14, eight. That's more just than I carry, almost. I know, right? <laughs> All right. So we can do what we did uh, previous weeks. We can uh, give extra points here extra for the points. next. No, I'm taking my win. <laughs> All right. Here you we... might go with just a complete whitewash. Here Five we go. Zero. Well, let's Imagine. see. That would be the first ever. Here we go. Question number, I think this is four. Yeah, here we go. How many aces do you have? All right. How many aces? This is... <laughs> Nick's I love eye. Simon's. I love Simon's reaction right there. It was aces, and Simon was just like, "Boom!" <laughs> All right. So, how many aces does she have, Simon? I go first. Yes. Yep. Zero. All right. So now, that's an interesting take because now all he has to do is say one, and he wins. That's a good point. <laughs> if I would have said one, you would have said zero. <laughs> no. Do you want to okay, change I your change number? My yeah. To change one. your number. Okay. You're changing it to one. Yes. Okay. I'll make it interesting. I'll go three. All right. Let's find out how she answers. Here we go. Three. You're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd goes crazy, Nick. You're late season sweep, my yeah, man. I don't know. I've I've been hustling everyone. This Are you whole a time. playoff player? Like oh, that's how I, under yeah. pressure. Who's on next week? 
Ooh. I don't know. You want to do it? <laughs> yeah, no. We got, yeah, he wants to come back. How many discs do you carry? All right. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Actually, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. Anyways, here we go. All right. Question number five to wrap it up. Or, no, I feel like there's two more questions. I could have, maybe there's six. six. Here you we told go. Me five. So I think there was, but now you've just, you've tied already. So here we go. All right, Tracy. Envision hole one gold Maple Hill. Which pro disc golfer? is most likely to ace hole one gold. Mm. What's the distance on that one? 800 something? Sure. All right. That's a perfect yeah, frame. It was, it was. <laughs> so we totally just made this question up just for the show, obviously. Hole one's not aceable, really. Definitely not aceable. Okay. Just wanted to make sure the same person yeah, no, in the room agrees. Um, so what does she answer? We said envision that hole and top pro disc golfer. Uh, who's going to ace it? Oh, boy. What's she going to answer? Uh, yeah, I think Simon answers, right? Or no, we, no, ha- we keep do. having him answer. Yeah, so Nick, I kind of want to like jokingly say Paul because Simon always says Paul's the luckiest player on tour. So I jokingly want to say that. But, but is that what Tracy will say? Uh, no. So yeah. I, I want to say double G. That was I. I was gonna say double G. You can technically say double G, but it just won't help you. No, you've been so on point. I feel like it has to be double G now, no matter what. Okay, so how douchey is it to say myself? It's not because I almost said you. I was like very, very close. When I asked this question, I was like, "How can I?" Maybe it's even. You know what? I'm gonna go Eagle McMahon. I'm gonna laugh if it's you. All right. Yeah. I'm going to laugh. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Let's find out what she answers. I mean, I guess I'd have to go with double G. Oh, my course. goodness. It's right. going to be that or it's going to be what? Drew Gibson or Simon? I have to throw Simon in there if he's <laughs> guessing on the answer. What's your final answer? <laughs> I'm going to say double G. All right. So she, you get a shout out. I'll and, take the shout out. Thank you for the shout out, Tracy. And to your recent disc golf vlog. Rating the pro disc golfers by their distance. Yep. She got, does she watch that? Besides Wait, Eagle. You filmed this after that video came out? I think it was after, yeah, it was, this was two, yes, yesterday. Wow. Okay. She, she yeah. might have. Yeah. Drew Gibson is also <laughs> yeah, a great that, those are the, because you had what, four world class distance? Yeah. She I just did. listed all of them. Yeah. I Except was like, for Eagle. She didn't say Eagle. No, but when I heard that, I was like, yeah. Either she's exactly the same thoughts as you or she watched the video, but good job. Damn, double G, good answer. All right, final question. This one is an old school, going back to the beginning. Here we go. All right, Tracy, (laughs) what is the craziest thing you've ever observed on a disc golf course? It can be anything. (laughs) She was looking over to her boyfriend. Yes. (laughs) Maybe <laughs> I can I can attest that she was looking over that direction and smiling, and I did edit some footage here. So, what is her answer going to be? Is it? It's Simon's. It's guess. Simon's guess. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I, I was hoping I had some time to answer here. I I know my answer. Do you want me to go first? It's the craziest thing she's ever seen. She's had three aces. Isn't it usually like you? Wait. Do we know where she's from? Did she say where she's from? Maine. She's a Mainer. Is there anything crazy that... Is there bears in Maine or something? Yeah. <laughs> yes, there are bears. I'd say she saw a massive bear. By the way, this question is worth whatever it is to tie Nick. Massive Too bear sure. on the green. So, up 
in Maine, I don't know how long ago, a year, maybe two years ago, um, someone was shooting at a rifle range or in their backyard or something. They shot their gun and it hit a rock and it ricocheted somehow through the woods and actually hit a disc golfer as he was playing at the uh, vacation land. I heard that story. It hit someone right in the face. So I don't know if she was there. It was during the tournament? No, no, no. I think it was during a casual round, but it was at SMV. So I'm going to say someone got shot while they were playing disc golf. I don't know if she was there, but that's like pretty lit. The live audience is saying, Nick, animal guess, animal guess. I could do an animal guess, but he already did the bear. And I think the bear was my go-to one for a while. It was. Really? It was? Yeah. I used to say the bear all the time. Here we go. Let's see how she answered. This is to tie up the game. When we were warming up for GMCs over on Fox Run, a little black bear cub ran out onto the fairway in one of the holes, and I thought it was a Labrador retriever, and so I chased after it <laughs> to, like, pet it, and it was a bear. <laughs> Nick, can you believe this, Nick? A bear actually came out. <laughs> he didn't say the bear. All right, I know. Tracy, thank you for being on the show. We totally appreciate it. Have a nice day. Thanks for having me. So... You want to know what's kind of funny about that is when we were up at GMC, I was staying with a bunch of people from Discraft and Vanessa Van Dyken was staying as well. And she was playing Brewster Ridge in a warm up round or maybe even in the tournament. But on hole two at Brewster, she saw two baby cubs and their mama, black bears. And I was like, dang, like if you see mama with the two cubs nearby, like you go the opposite direction very, very quickly. (laughs) But to be clear. Timon just tied it up. Uh, Timon. Timon <laughs> just tied it up. Um, you got people it. in the in the chat board, people calling you like Lyman Sazad or something, and I now I'm all messed up. But here's the deal. This happened last week too. Nick, who was closest on the this is how we break the tiebreaker. Who was closest on closest that? to the distance thrown? You were me. Five points off. So that's how the tiebreakers are made. So you tied it up in the end, but he was closest. On distance uh, question thrown, one. question number one. He smoked me the whole game. So <laughs> Yeah, but, but then you tied it up at the end, and so now, now okay. you just won so the tiebreaker. So now when we go to Hot Dog Annie's, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> I'm really hungry right now. Can we go? I don't... They probably won't be open. No. All right. We can go get something else, though. All right. Okay, so... We could so go to really quick. Here we go. Let's just keep jumping along. Internet disc golf questions. You're going to give your best answers to these questions. Um, I believe there's only four tonight. I hope that's what it is. Here we go. Question number one. Internet disc golf questions. Always Nick's favorite intro for life. All right, here we go. Question number uno. Do you guys wonder what weight the pros are using? Like, you think it's max weight? So we have now. Now we just give like a ten second answer on what we think. So the answer. Simon's the pro in the the the, he's he's the pro the legitimate pro. He's the pro in the room. What do you know, Simon? What's the weight disc like? Yeah, you're the note with pros. Yeah, I mean it's ninety percent max weight disc just because of consistency issues with especially with windier situations. You want as much control over those discs as possible, and obviously the heavier something is, the less it will be affected by any forces coming from wind or anything like that. Um, some people will throw for more distance, like a, I don't know, like high 160s. Rarely, <laughs> though, I'd say maybe yeah. for like some sidearm shots or whatever your weaker shot is, you may break out a lighter disc. Um, but definitely on the MPO side of the game, it's mostly max weight. Gotcha. All right. 
Good answer. I'm not going to answer. I think one time. No, that's that's pretty much the basic answer. I would say definitely for the pros, most of them are using max weight. And then like Simon said, for the big S-curve, distance shots, forehands, they are probably going to 170, 172. I've seen some 165, yeah. 167. So yeah, yeah, it's all over. All right, here we go. Question number two. Uh, let me pull it up full screen here. How good, quote unquote, should I be before I start competing in the local weekly tournaments? Par? Two to five under, maybe all and no matter what. Thoughts, please. So, before someone starts competing in the local, how do you find those? I just steal them. Scours the internet. Oh, okay. I just go around and I say, "That's a good question. We'll use it on the show." That's why we call it Internet Disc Golf Question. We've we've (laughs) we've kind of had a question like this before where they were saying, you know, oh, I shoot under par on the regular. Should I start signing up for tournaments? And I was like, dude, imagine shooting under par regular at Maple Golds. You'd be a pro disc golfer. Exactly. Right the course so, matters. The course definitely matters. But, but yeah, I mean, honestly, if you're shooting par two to five under, why not play your local weekly tournaments? I mean, you're only going to push yourself to be a better player once you figure out what everyone else is doing. Yeah, I think signing up for like weeklies is going to be more about knowing the etiquette and kind of most of the rules and just knowing how to act during tournament or like league play in this case. Yeah. But uh, of course, shooting under par is just a bonus at that point. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, here we go. Question number three. Quick question. I'm new to the sport, but do pros use the same off the shelf, quote unquote, discs as everyone else? Or are they throwing special, custom, unique creations like in ball golf? All right. You That's must have some insight. You must have some insight. Um, well, a disc has to be PDGA approved. Um, I don't know how golf balls work, but I bet there's also some regulations in that. Um, so pretty much any disc that's in our bag is going to be mostly widely available to the public as well. We might have some unique dyes or some stamps or like sometimes even some special blends because plastic is a weird thing that is hard to recreate perfectly perfectly like two times in a row that's why all runs of discs are always going to be different or at least slightly different and it's i've heard from like people that actually do that kind of work is that it's impossible to create the same disc twice in a different batch of plastic yeah no matter how perfectly you match and everything Mm -hmm. but um so i guess we can obviously pick and choose our favorite runs and discs and we have access to pretty much thousands of discs in the warehouses um, but other than that, I think it's pretty much what everyone else throws as well. Yeah. I think just from the random rounds I've been able to play with Paul in practice, I remember once he would get like a stack of discs because that's a sponsorship allotment or however they do it for Paul. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember he brought out a stack of discs and he'd throw and he'd throw and he'd be like, yeah, that one's no good. Yeah. this." So like the runs do come in consistency at some yeah. level and he chooses. So they, you have the, you have, I'll say the luxury of at least choosing yeah. the ones that fly the way you want. But in general, you're still taking the ones that are available to the disc golf community. Yeah. Cool. All right. Question number four. And this is the last one for internet disc golf questions. And then we're going to follow it up with one final topic. And this question is 25 to 50 years from now, what will you tell other disc golfers what it was like when you were younger? <laughs> so this one I thought was kind of fun. So like, I'll, is. my answer is going to be, this is my answer. I'll let you guys answer. I was able to hang out with pro disc golfers in a podcast that I started during COVID. Like, I don't think in the future that's going to be something. They'll be like, are you kidding me? So, like, for me, that's one thing. There'll be be something different in 50 years from now. Like, podcasts won't be a thing. It'll be like, (laughs) 
some I don't know. I played some how about like, how about like I used to play with plastic discs. <laughs> like, that, yeah. that could be. Yeah. All right, what do you think? Anything stick out to you in your head? I thought this was fun. Oh, it's it's really fun. It's really fun. <laughs> it, it needs imagination. It needs yeah. a vision and I don't know, it might be something like remember we were playing on these giant baskets? I thought that same thing. For That's example. a good one too, yeah. I thought that same thing. What do you think, Nick? What are you going to tell? <laughs> He's rereading well, the question. Like, yeah. Cuz I'm like, what am I going to tell? We were I'm going to tell my grandkids I was like a 14-time world champion. We so, had I mean, that's what I'm going to say to them. <laughs> be they, they won't know. Uh, no, Nick. Until they're like eight what, years what old, is, I'm just going to tell them that I'm a multiple. No. The difference is, no, the difference is what's different is I used to win disc golf tournaments. That's what Nick will say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe. I hope, I hope in 25, 50 years from now, I'm still playing. And Maybe we'll say winning. disc golf was actually played in the physical world. Like, I remember when it was actually, because like disc golf virtual reality and the way yeah, pandemics are going. Yeah, what if disc golf goes AI? Just saying. This would be insane. Or maybe remember when we used to play for free. <laughs> true. On ninety oh, percent of all courses. True. No, yeah. That's been a topic we've had. That's our intro, and people always you remember when us we about played two hundred foot par threes at pro tour events. <laughs> remember when a disc was twenty bucks? <laughs> We're on a roll. I kind of like these. Oh, that's good. I, I think my favorite one was Simon's, the the basket one. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, it's probably one of the yeah. most one that has the most truth to it. All right, and then just finally to round this out, Simon, I thought it'd be interesting to talk disc golf terminology. And here, well, here real quick, we had a super chat that was oh, actually yeah. a question. Super for, chat. Where is yeah, that? Right there. I think. Simon, did we have two? No, I think no? it's just one. Right. No, it's just one. We've been getting so much support today. I know, right? Simon, could you help us settle a long-time dispute I have with a friend? Do aces on wide-open holes <laughs> under 150 feet count towards my ace count? Is there a certain what do you think? Do you have an ace count? <laughs> I definitely have not had an ace count in years. I have a tournament ace count. I think the only... Uh, my, I mean, some people say only aces you have in tournaments count as aces. Other people say the only aces you get at World Worlds. Championship yeah. wow. count as aces. On that count, I have zero. Yeah. On the I think tournament, has one. tournament count, I think I have four or five. I'm not exactly sure. It's kind of sad to say. But I remember my first tournament ace being like the most ecstatic moment of my life. <laughs> I think I was yeah. just so filled with energy and joy. So uh, I think I was like 14 at the time. I was it was like the sickest moment that I can remember. Um, other than that, I mean, practice round aces. If it's a first shot, I think it can count. Yeah. I, I could see people counting that. But if it's anything. If it's a hole with a T sign. Yeah. I think it should count. I mean, I've if, played if holes. It's, yeah. If it's your first throw. I've played 90 foot holes. Yeah. If you can putt it, maybe it shouldn't count unless it's maple hole gold hole four. four. Yeah. But and, Just because you birdie that one every single time. And though, it doesn't it depend who you are? If my six-year-old steps up, like now you have to have yeah. criteria on your right. skill level. Yeah, so now level. you're talking you're criteria. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. So there's all different criteria. I I would just say in general, it is now whether you want to count it towards your count is up to you. Okay, yeah. that's my takeaway on there. So all right, let's get this Consensus, going. Consensus: Yes, it counts. Yes, it counts. I agree. <laughs> disc golf terminology. You ready? Stable. What does it mean to you if someone says this disc is stable? Now, not what you think they mean. What does stable mean to you? Does this have to be a fast answer? No. <laughs> okay. So um, yes, I fire. obviously Go. know what it actually means, but I definitely am guilty of using it in the wrong way, which means this disc is so stable, meaning overstable. But I definitely think that most <laughs> players use it as the meaning of overstable. 
But uh, I actually just watched, I don't know if you watched the Dave Felberg video that was dropped yesterday or two days ago, um, where he talked about the term, uh, the term stable. What stable actually means is straight or f- stable, flat. Yeah, and I thought this was interesting. Not because of that. I did see he brought that up, and I was like, man, we're having that on our show. I commented to him even. People use it all the time, and if you're from Massachusetts specifically, or maybe New England, you might say, that's wicked that's stable. That's wicked stable. Yeah. <laughs> you I haven't you haven't word. started doing that yet? I I don't know. Wicked just is it's too so, extreme. You want to know what Simon started using <laughs> as like a Massachusetts thing? I think he does it to make fun of me. But I do. Mint. Yeah, he'll say mint. Be like, oh, dude, that's dude, mint. That's or like, mint. I'll, I'll text him and say, hey, I'm on my way over to play pool. And be like, mint. <laughs> and I know he does it just to make fun of it because I always say it. But... Okay, so stable. Nick, I think you when you say it, do I you say, most often mean I overstable? I say as an overstable. Yeah. Man, so I try really hard, and it's not because I'm better than anybody, but I do try to use stable as straight. I say that's stable disc. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I, I say very stable. If I yeah. do, I actually mean very straight. Yeah. That's just me. When I like, Really, I'll... you don't say straight. Overstable. You say if you describe it this to someone, you say it's stable. You wouldn't use would, straight instead of stable. I feel like I'm the guest on the show. <laughs> yeah, right now we're interviewing. But I'm I do like it. No, no, no. I do I like know. that though. Um, I would say either, but I think I do say stable probably more often. That's just me. I don't know where it came from or why. Maybe it's how I was taught. Like overstable, yeah. stable, understable. Because every mid range is more stable than any driver. Yes. Pretty much not like all of them. But I don't. Yeah, I guess because I've been saying it so like I first when I first started playing disc golf, it was, you know, oh, that disc is very overstable. And then you but I, it. I never said anything was stable. I said it was either understable or overstable. So even if something was straight, I still considered it like a little bit understable because to me back then, if I could get a disc to go straight, it must have been a very understable disc because <laughs> that's just how disc golf is. Yeah. I love yeah, that's just how disc golf is at the beginning. Breathing so laugh. Now, that was funny. I think after like hanging out with more professionals, I, I would say a large majority of the professionals in our sport call it like if something's overstable, they say, "Yeah, dude, that disc is stable." Like if I say, "Simon, here, throw my nuke," it'll be really? like, "How is it?" And I'll say, "It's you know, it's stable." I think I don't disagree with that, and I'm interested. Yeah. Are do you agree? Most people say it the one way. Definitely, most people would say like, or at least everyone would know what I mean by yes, saying, yes. This is I agree. So stable, yeah. I agree with yes. that. And I think to answer your question, when I'm talking, I know that people are going to misinterpret what I say. So I typically will change it if I'm talking to somebody that I think like, that. I don't know. That's interesting. So not to get too elaborate here, but overstable literally means it's the opposite of like... Understable. It's a hyzer. It's, it's a hyzer, which yeah. is what? How do you explain a hyzer? I mean, for right hand, backhand, which you always have to include because... uh I mean, let's just say now in general, we're always talking about right hand, back end yes. for the rest of the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, lefties. Which means the disc falls its natural curve from right to left because it spins counterclockwise. So, and the opposite would be true for a righty forehand. Yes. But it's still called hyzer. So anytime it goes, how I don't know how to explain it, but we know what it is. It's fading away, if you will, from... Yeah, dropping left. <laughs> yeah, it's like trying left. to explain without right. without showing a disc is tough. Understable is okay. So understable is Anheuser. Is that is are we able to use these interchangeably? Overstable and Heiser and understable and Anheuser. No. Okay. No. I okay. mean, Heiser and Anheuser, I guess, are the angles you throw the disc on, or what yeah. the discs fly, and then overstable, understable is more like the characteristic of the disc. 
<laughs> Does a disc yeah. spin clockwise or counterclockwise? Because someone in the chat saying clockwise, but you said counter. Oh, I was wrong, and whoever said that was right. Okay. I just realized it it spins uh, clockwise. Yeah, clockwise. Right that's all of a sudden, I got so confused. I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, okay, if I throw a disc like this, it definitely spins it clockwise. Out, I'm like, thank you to our dedicated okay, sorry. listeners yeah, for calling us out. Appreciate everyone. Okay, I was wrong. So understable. Like though. So this though. is where it starts getting interesting. So when you say turnover shot. What is a turnover? Because I'm just going to throw out these other terms so we can help define them. Turnover, flex, flip, hyzer flip. So what's the difference with a turnover? I would say you can throw any sort of disc starting it out to the left and then bending it to the right. Okay, now we have to use the word bending. <laughs> what does it mean? What is a turnover? A turnover? like a food? <laughs> <laughs> a turnover is a shot that you force the disc out of its natural... What what is the word like? Need to finish left, so you turn it over Natural to flow to fly from left to right. Yeah. And you use Anheuser to do that. Yes, not all the time. Oh, is that a Heiser yeah, flip? No, though? see, yeah. there's differences. But what if you throw it flat? <laughs> That's not a Heiser flip. If you throw it flat and turn it over, you can throw an overstable disc and turn it over. Turn it over. Yeah. <laughs> you turn over discs all the time. So like, yeah, it doesn't matter. What angle, I guess, you put it on. It could technically it be... It can start on a hyzer, because that's have, a hyzer flip. You could have tried to hyzer flip it, but then you turned right. it over. You had two and one. <laughs> I so, hate but this it's still a hyzer flip. <laughs> no. no, this is... I just thought just it was gonna, interesting, because we no. all use terminology a little different. I would and like, say more in my so, head, yeah, I picture like, a turnover being more of a straight to um, understable. Like, straight to it turns over like that understable direction it might finish the other way but that's what i call turnover because for me flex a flex is when it comes out on the angle anheuser but it it hyzers back do you agree with that i mean let's think of a specific example let's say hole five maple hill over the that's, water that's an anheuser it's a turnover <clears throat> or <shot>. a turnover <laughs> as as we're talking right hand to back end yes yeah. that's a turnover but you could also hyzer flip it to the basket. Yes. You could. Is that still a turnover? That's what I was saying. Because it depends. I think to Simon's I, point, if you're hyzering it out of the hand, it's a hyzer flip. If it's yeah. coming out flat, more or less flat, and just quote unquote turning over, like that is a turnover. See, I almost don't I think even, it's the angle. But if it as comes out on an anhyzer though and then finishes flat. <laughs> comes out on an anhyzer. Finishes flat. I, I think that's I think very close throw, to a flex shot. Very it's definitely close. not a flex. It's shot. not. Cl it's not. But it's on that path. If you. But see, that's where days. like if I walk up to hole five, I don't think okay, I'm gonna throw a turnover on this. I think all right, I'm gonna throw an ante. Like I use the terminology different than I think other people would. I use turnover as in like, dang it, I turned over my disc and I didn't want to do that. But I don't go up and say you know okay on this <laughs> shot, I gotta do a turnover. I just think I got to do a slight ante. <laughs> so like that's where, you know, I think what? I've turned over as a bad thing. I can definitely now that you say it like that, I can definitely see that that yeah. That you, when you say I turned it over is usually a negative I thing. Usually like I usually use it as a negative. Which means you rolled it over too much and exactly. it, it's going to be like a sky roller or something. Yeah. Or it could be a thrower. A thrower. In the in the end if you understand this is what communication a large part of communication is the fact that people are able to understand what you're saying. Yeah. Not that you use the right terminology. Some people are hard on that. They're like, that's not what it is. 
But the reality is, as long as you can understand. And I think that's just interesting conversation. How about this? Tomahawk. That one's pretty simple. What would you say? How's you set up for a tomahawk? It's the sidearm grip and you throw it overhead. Okay. Oh, that's really good. Sidearm grip. So your fingers are in there. Yes. Yeah. Overhand. Thumber. Uh, thumber grip. So thumb under the disc. Yeah. Thumb, and on, thumb on the rim. Throw it exactly like a tomahawk. Yeah. And does well, it do like no. a backhand, right hand, different forehand? Angle. Like, does it do like the difference? Like it flips differently or is it totally different? It's totally different. It flips opposite of what a yeah, thumber it does. Flips, it flips opposite. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm, I'm saying. I'm sorry. I meant to say it flips opposite of what a tomahawk does. Right. So that's what I was meaning. Like yeah. right hand, backhand, forehand, like it's opposite. Thumber, tomahawk. Okay. Um, pancake. Have you ever heard of that? Besides eating it for breakfast. I've heard of it in volleyball. I don't really know if I've heard of it in disc golf necessarily. Pancake. Is this an upside down? Yeah, it's kind of like the tomahawk, but on the purpose of it, like landing upside down and like sliding. Oh, so like a slight little like if you're going to pancake a putter. There you go. Okay. My buddy Joey Yak does it all the time where he'll just throw this little soft putter and it will kind of just like go up in the air, land on its backside. And then like but that's not a scuba. No, a scuba is coming from the opposite shoulder. Uh, right. As a righty, a yeah. scuba is coming from the opposite shoulder and putting it on an Anheuser first to let it slowly drift on an Annie. There's no way Pancake I guess, is official, though. I guess pancake, <laughs> pancake is kind of the same thing as a scuba, only you're doing it not on your opposite shoulder, on your dominant shoulder. So it, you're kind of throwing it for yeah, me to be on the I'd right do side. It. Yeah. But I typically use that shot not for trying to get it in the basket. Although, no, no I have. Up. But it's more of yeah. like I want it to kind of hit flat on its back and yeah. slide. And I think the footwork for a scuba is different. Footwork for a scuba, <laughs> you're more squared, um, like staggered to it. And you're kind of just like a little flick of it. But like when you're doing a pancake, you're kind of like you could be spread out all sorts of ways and just trying to like get it to drift. All right, know. here we go. Gr I don't throw them person. Grenade. Thumb under the rim, and you throw a backhand spike hyzer. Does it hurt your thumb? <laughs> Me personally, yes, a lot. Yeah. That's why I don't do it. Yeah. I tried it one time, and I'm like, ah, man. People have so many up, different... Yeah, you have you to build, build up calluses up. to it, yeah. but people have so many different grips to it. I've tried, like, five different grips. I know Casey does it different than Eagle does, and Casey actually Casey uses... the. Yeah, Casey like throws his. You know what that's called? A moose knuckle. Really? At Am Worlds 2011. That's another term. I don't. If anybody's ever heard that, let me know. This was a guy when I played out in Rochester, New York. He was throwing the disc just like a backhand right hand with that grip, like thumb through the uh, index finger and the second finger, like thumb through there, and the disc was in between under the thumb. Yeah. Incredible, crazy. Dave, Dave Dunapace throws it like that. Um, all right, and then finally, we're getting down to the end here. We don't need to talk about forehand, backhand, because we already said that. But how about weeklies, leagues, tournaments? In New England, and I'm just going to get this out of the way, we do not say weeklies. In fact, people will be like, what are you talking about for the most part? I think we don't say it because we don't really have weeklies. So what is a weekly, Nick? Yes, you do at Maple Hill. No, that's oh, more see? Of, no, see, we call that a league. Exactly. That's my point. Monday there. night league. No, I've heard, I've heard it used both ways here in Mass. I've, heard I've never heard weekly. It's a regional thing, in my opinion. Comment, I, comment I, where you're I from. I agree. Comment where I you're think from. It's more of a regional thing, but I have heard people say, like, you know, oh, hey, I got to go do my weekly. I hear it more so now that we're doing a flex league, actually, come to think of hmm. it. But when we used to do Monday night leagues at Pyramids, it was, yo, dude, you going to leagues? And it was like, yeah, of course I am. Yeah, like, league that's was the place thing. to be. When you travel around, most people say what for their, their weekly? <laughs> what are they? Um, is it a weekly league? Damn, I've so rarely joined anything like along those lines, like leagues or weeklies or monthlies. But I, 
first thing that would pop to mind would be probably weekly or monthly. Monthly. Oh yeah. That's a new term. <laughs> yeah. Can we get yearlies in there? Which is monthlies worlds. are the big deal. Wow. Because there's more. I think there's monthlies more, yeah. are always uh, more important than See, weeklies. See, we, we definitely don't have monthlies here. I know there are areas that have like a monthly flex start. Once a month, they play a certain course. It's you know, it's a tournament, PDGA rated and everything like that. We've never really had that here. We've had a couple flex starts over the last couple of months. but So people are commenting. It's doubles, dubs. Um, dubs, I hear a lot. What else is there? Tags. Like Everyone just calls it whatever it is. leagues in Southeast Michigan. Huh. League. Handicaps handicap leagues i don't know if i could ever do one of those all right we're gonna get ready to close out the show one piece of news before we close it out nick we talked about usdgc and the media last week um and remember i was like yeah i'm definitely buying it that gold level yeah it sold out 500 were available for the gold level which is a commemorative disc like and more or less not exclusive but unlimited access to live and condensed I bought it thinking maybe this will sell out. It did. So that means they've already brought in 20000 for media. Mm-hmm. And they still have all of the unlimited available for like the $19 and all that. So they're going to do really well. They're going to support the whole media thing. Pretty insane. Yeah. So good for them. <clears throat> uh, can we just real quick. Jonesboro is going on. We're going to kind of like throw. We don't want to do any spoilers, but this was round one. Yeah, this is round one at spoilers. I just want to say, you know, kudos to Paul and Calvin. They have the hot rounds right now. Uh, Paige Pierce. Spoilers. Yeah, this is spoilers. <laughs> Turn it off now. Paige killed it round one, two. And then also, I'm pretty sure Brody is playing Texas States. And I think that's a USTGC qualifier as well. So good luck cool. to him this weekend. I know he's been really trying to hunt down and get to USTGC. So if he's tuning in right now, good luck, dude. All right. So, Simon, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, you, people know where to find you. We've yeah, shouted we out every time. Yeah, we need to do the shameless plug for you. He has 100,000 subscribers. If you, are, if you are late to the show, if you found us somehow, which I do not literally think is possible if you're on YouTube, before you found him. But if that's the case, yeah. the reason why we have so many live views and all that tonight is because he stopped in the show here. Simon, thank you very much. Uh, thanks, guys. My pleasure. I love the setup here and uh, love the show. We'll, we'll, film we'll, see, we'll see you in 10 weeks. when you run out of topics we'll film a vlog in my backyard we'll come and do the show and we'll make it something really special because we still want to take you candle pin bowling that is a very regional like central mass almost maybe a little new hampshire sounds like a good vlog i really think it is it'd be epic so we just gotta wait till the end of the disc golf tour because we don't want to destroy your forearms and your elbow right in one right the other vlog before we sign off because we've said it before the Maple Hill. How many hole? How many oh, throws? Yeah, I want to ask from this a whole audience. <laughs> they can guess, but yeah. we'd have to make this. How many throws? And I want to be a part of this. Nick, being mid level, Simon being top, and me being lower am one. Mm-hmm. How many throws for each of us to get from hole one Maple Hill tee pad to gold. eleven gold, which is the farthest point in my opinion on the course. So hole one gold to hole eleven golds. If someone guesses the right answer. Kudos to you. And I'm I think, not going to go back and look. I think the over and under for Simon, no joke, I'm going to say 15, 14. If you can do it anywhere around 10, that would be insane. That's what that, I mean. Yeah, Great. that'd be beyond perfect. I don't think that's possible, to be honest. I just went through it in my head, and I think 10 is the perfect score. Which that's why I guess 14 or 15. Yeah. I don't know. For Maybe me, that's it's probably going to be like 19. I'm not All right, lie. guys. Hey, are you off tomorrow? Can we do it tomorrow? 
if we do it in the morning. Oh, but it's AM side. It'd have to be like oh, yeah, afternoon. Yeah, we can't do it tomorrow. Okay, okay. So, well, I'm after leaving the last to Rockville on Saturday. <clears throat> after the last tea time or really early. Anyways, we'll talk after the show. All right, guys. Thank you so much for all the support. We're going to sign out now. Nick, what do you got to say? Click the like button. Appreciate you tuning in. Subscribe to their channel, uh, Simon's channel. Subscribe to our <laughs> channel. Leave us reviews. Tell someone you love them this week. We appreciate it. We'll see you in the next one. Nick, Simon, you're awesome. Peace out, man. Thanks for tuning in to the Nick and Matt Show. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social platform and subscribe on iTunes.